During a long age of chaos, the servants of the dark gods tried many times to crush the Oryk clans. However, no matter how many greenskins fell under the blades of chaos, more rose up to take their place, more numerous and ferocious than before. Countless years of blood marked the first chaos campaigns to vanquish the Oryks. When Archaon's chosen general, Darkhorn the Devourer, was charged with the task of wiping out the greenskins, places like Splitbone Pass, where the bodies of chaos warriors lie as fallen leaves upon the ground, and the Sudendeath Caves, which still echo to the cries of a thousand dying demons, are monuments to the strength of the Oryks. It speaks much to the futility of that war of extermination that today the Oryx thrive across the realms, while Darkhorn's skull adorns the gates of the Varenspire. Among the Oryx clans to rise from these centuries of carnage were the Iron Jaws. Such is the nature of Oryx, and Iron Jaws especially, that the harder their enemies try to kill them, the harder they fight. Battling against chaos hordes, human empires, and other Oryx clans with increasing brutality the Iron Jaws have become the largest of their kind. For them, the Age of Chaos was a gift from Gorka Morka, a time of joyous, unending battle that hammered their war clans into the toughest oryx around. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way bringing you the fist of Gork, or was it his knuckle bone, and was it connected to the knee bone? I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Gordrak! But I'm not, because I'm not nearly that tough. No. No! Nobody is. Nobody is! Okay. Woo! Uh, You know what? I'm so excited to talk about this book, I almost jumped right into it, and that's probably a bad move. Um, We should uh, thank the sponsors and things like that, shouldn't we? And get on to this, because I'm excited! I can't hold back the Y energy! Well, hi Dave, it's nice to talk to you too. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't even get to... I I skipped the... I'm so excited! It's It's the energy! And uh, yeah, we were talking for like 10 minutes before the show started, so I totally spaced, because I'm an idiot. But hi, Alex. Hi, Dave. How's everything going with you? <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, Alex yeah, has had a week. Uh, you should buy a lottery ticket at this point, brother. Oh, buddy. I only gamble with my life, not my money. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Iron Jaws. We're finally going to get to it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. And, you know, I'm prepping up for next episode, which is the year in review, and I'm going through all the stuff. I'm like, man, Iron Jaws didn't come out this year even. We are really behind on this book. Yeah, but this will catch us up through all the first edition books. Uh, so then we've only got a couple we're missing, but you know what? It's long overdue, so we should probably get down to it. Absolutely. So, um, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include... Chaos Orc, or is it Chaos Orc Superstore? Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. Ooh, that's got a better rhythm to it, doesn't it? It does. But that's it does not what it's, it, but it is spelled but that's Orc. That's not what it is. Yeah. 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 Might have to talk to him. Okay. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Lindsay and not that Wakanda. And we should also take a moment to thank the 1%, those select few who have chosen to help sponsor Garage Hammer through Patreon. P- 
patreon.com slash grizehammer. The associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, and Christopher Sanders, and our executive producer, Nick Nafliotis. I want to thank all of them again and everybody else, uh, Patreon's past, present, and even, if I may be so bold, future. Thank you all for being part of the 1% who make this show and everything we do possible. And please go to that Patreon page and check your messages because um, we're going to be doing some more of the, the hobby paint things over holiday break. So got that going on, too. So, All right. Uh, what else do we got to do here in the beginning? Oh, hey, Alex, did you know we have voicemail? No. Yes, you did. Come on. You knew. You had to have All known. Right, I, knew. I know I've mentioned it. We've mentioned it a few times, but we do have voicemail. And Dave, what's that number? It's one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. If the lines are busy, just please keep trying. It's one seven five seven GH show six. International callers in most countries just dial zero zero one seven five seven GH show six. So, um, yeah, we haven't gotten a voicemail recently. Um, at least I don't think we did. Um, I thought we did. Did we? I checked. Maybe we did. Did I? Did I miss one? Oh, maybe it did. I thought we played that one though. Great. I think movie. Will Myers had called one in. Oh, that's right. He did. He did. Hold on. Let me find that. I'll have to edit this now. Great googly moogly. Where is my Google Voice? Here it I is. I only know it because he told me he called it in. Oh, and he did. And I thought I had. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. There it is. Hold on. I will play it now. Alex, today is Will Myers calling from Nashville, Tennessee, home of NASCON. Mark our calendars. It's going to be August 23rd to 25th. Good T.O. My good friend David Griffin runs that show. Such a positive guy. I tell you, David Griffin can make getting fitted for a colostomy bag a fashion statement. He's such a positive thinker. But I just wanted to take a moment and say, you know, what a year we've had. A good year for AOS, a good year for GW. And a really great year for the community. I mean, the Chicago, the Chicago crew up there really has set the bar on how to like pull a community together. And I've, I've, I love Chicago. Chicago's great. Chicago's the only city in the world that can be like 80 degrees with a 30, 30 degree windshield. It's a great place. And I've been really vocal about Alex selflessness on the old Twitter. And, uh, you and Carrie Ann are gonna make great parents. And, uh, and Dave, when, uh, I've been listening from ever since AOS dropped, man. I gotta tell you, you gave me something to listen to. And I really appreciate it. And, uh, and, uh, you guys are just good folks. And, um, I'll see you both at Acon. And, uh, looking forward to another great year. And, uh, really appreciate you both. You know, happy holidays. See ya. Okay. That's Will. Will is very excited. And Will's a good guy. And I do appreciate the call. He is good people. Yeah. He's very good people. Yep. So that was Will's call, and thank you so much for all the kind words. And uh, like I said, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call any time and leave us a voicemail. We'll be happy to hear it. So, but that's about it. Should we uh, should we t- grab our first break and run and come back uh, before the uh, Oryx start rampaging across the realms here? Let's get a get a few minutes to uh, to get them going. Yeah, probably good idea. All right, uh, we'll be back, folks.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we is back talking about the best, the Iron Jaws. That's right. Oh, they is the best. The biggest and the best and the bashiest. They have to be in the smashiest. There's a lot of good words for Iron Jaws. <laughs> there is. You know, when this came out, it's, one of the reasons we never really covered this was, you know, you kind of flip through it, and I think there's, what, eight units total? This is this is in that weird period where you get five characters and three units, and that's considered an army. Yeah, but it was also different compared to, like, Flesh Eater Courts or something like that, because these guys actually got a whole new host of kits, with the exception of one. Everything else was new in this release. Yeah, yes. No, that's true. I mean, and it is, and it was cool, but it was just like, there was still... It was literally characters, and then, and then three units, three units, and it was just like oof, you know. And you kind of went through it, and there was a lot of cool stuff in here. But I think it kind of, I think it kind of got glossed over. Sitting down and reading it now, you know, and then picking up the general's handbook to get the uh, little abilities and attributes. Um, gosh, this book really does make me love orcs. Like I already loved orcs, and I know you're more of a gob a, a grot person than an orc. Person. I am. Um, they're just so much. Like I just I remember when I first started playing this and looking at all like the 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 sixth ed stuff Christopher had and the old books, and it's like they were you know they're the clown princes of Warhammer, and it's like no, they're kind of goofy and dumb. Like they were just dopey. They were. And they were very much that. And it was just kind of dopey, and they got back to that, you know, they're pretty, actually kind of brutal, and they're kind of vicious, and they're, they're you know, they're, you know, you read these stories, and it's like, I want to hear more now. Like, I'm reading this, and I want more, because, yes, they're very single-minded, but it's kind of neat. Yeah, and I think the other big thing is now we have, models to actually represent the brutality oh yeah of what they're supposed to be because even some of the older ones uh like the old like the regular orc boys or the old bone splitters the old savage orcs where they looked something closer to fred flintstone oh versus yeah something savage and something so now we have models that actually like much more closely represent what they're about and who they are. So it actually makes it feel more complete. Oh yeah. As opposed to what we were dealing with before. And there was just there's and there's there's really great little tidbits in the lore that I didn't pick up the first time. You know that I'm sitting down and taking notes on it. I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of neat. Like I kind of like this. This book is full of dichotomies." This book well, is Well, yeah, it's, it has to be. Well, right. And it's like but you don't I mean 
and it's again you got Gorka Morka and then you got Gork and, and Mork. Um but even with the way they describe everything, like this it just keeps coming up. It could be this or it might be the exact opposite. Like there and it, it's not just it's Gork or possibly Mork. Um, or possibly Gorka Morka. Yeah. Uh it it comes it it's just I noticed this as I'm reading it. They 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 used that sort of style of writing throughout all of their units and all of the bits of lore. There's always this, it could be this, or it might not be. And it just kept popping up, and it made it so much fun to read. I think it's one of those that they don't necessarily have the best understanding of what it is either. But quite frankly, I don't think they care. <laughs> no. no. Because all they care about is the biggest and the best fight. And constantly getting into fights and mucking stuff up. That's that's their thing. Yeah. So the crazy that's their stories. Whole life. It's not even mm-hmm. battle for, you know, you, you read some of the stories and, you, you know, some of the old stories of the old empire were like just so depressing because like, you know, everybody fights. A lot of these guys died. The few who survive have survived maybe until the next battle. In which case, they're probably going to die anyway. And it's just this like, oh my gosh, we're going to go extinct. we got to fight. Or you get the forces of evil who are just like, let's kill everything because we have to be evil. And then you get these guys. And it's like, this is a party for them. This is mm-hmm. like, this is just the, the, I mean, do you remember, I I think it was the old 8th Ed Orc book, the last Orc book to come out from fantasy. And they had that story where they were attacking the city. And they had basically killed all of the all of the warriors and stuff off the off the off the gate, and they were bu- about to bust through the gates, and they realized all they had left there was like just you know the you know the elderly and the women and children and this stuff, and they bust open the gates and they look around and the orcs are about to rush in and the and the war boss is just like, nah, we're done here, and they're like, what? He's like, there's no fighting them. There's no fight. It's mm-hmm. no fun. They're not in there for the slaughter. They're not in there for. The to, for it's not for survival and it's not for just the brutality and the slaughter. It's for the love of just being the best at battle. Like they just adore being the biggest and the best at battle, and that's all they do, and that's all they want to do. And it's insane. It's completely nuts. But it's so cool. Like I get, I'm, I get into it. Like as I'm reading it, I'm like, these guys are just. To them, it's fun. It's not like this is just what they do. And I don't think any other army in the game has sort of that attitude towards all of this. Everybody else is fighting because they have to. You know what I'm saying? And they're fighting because what else are you going to do? Yeah, it's what they want to do. (laughs) Right. It's nothing personal. I don't hate you. It's just. We tear down things that are bigger than us because that's what we do. So it's pseudo comical in that regard, but by the same token, it's really not. And these guys are not out to build fortifications or anything like that. And it's indiscriminate destruction. They're like we've been saying, they're out there for the sake of the fight. Oh yeah. So that's what they're about. So now, Dave, what are Iron Jaws? Well. Like, 
really? I'm glad you asked. Um, I did mark up this opening paragraph here for the very first page, so let's kind of hit that, and then we'll talk. Because I learned a few things reading this that I did not know. So, Iron Jaws are hulking brutes, always eager for a good scrap. As the largest members of a race infamous for their ferocity, they live only for war. Nothing is so pleasing to the ear of an iron jaw as the sound of battle, of blades on armor, and the screams of the dying. Taller and far broader than a man, they loom over their opponents, their battle-scarred hides encased in beaten iron armor. Fighting is everything to an iron jaw orc, for their small, brutish minds have only room for thoughts of wanton violence. So that's basically what these guys are. Uh, They believe in might makes right. And none are as mighty as the orcs. Uh, and uh, as testified to the so many settlements, nations, and empires that have just been deleted by them. Yeah. And I think the greatest testament to them is they're during the Age of Chaos, after Sigmar shuts the gates to Izir, most of the realms suffer. And they all do but to varying degrees. Uh, these guys don't. No. Really. In they fact, thrive. They love it. Yeah. And, it, and if they win the battle, they wind up being stronger. And if they lose and they get kicked back, they grab more more, uh, more orcs and go back and just fight harder, fools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and other orcs start following this, knowing there's going to be a good fight. Um. It's it's crazy. They literally think this was a gift from Gorka Morka. The Age of Chaos was a gift from their god of just constant warfare and just making them the biggest and the best and proving it constantly. Um, and then we get to this part that says basically Gorka Morka has sent them Gord sent them Gordrak. He sent Gordrak to lead them and drown the realms in teeming red skin or green skin armies. Teeming greenskin armies to drown the empires. It's crazy. And can I just say before we get into this, I love that the person they seem to irritate the most is Archaon. Well, yeah. I like I like that he, he he's just he is completely stymied and baffled by these guys. Like everything he tries to do to get rid of them because he pops up in this book about a half a dozen times and it's always <laughs> that they just they are they thumb their nose at him they have no they don't care about him they're not afraid of him i think they're the only things in the the realms that are not afraid of archeon even sigmar knows that archeon is is a is a worthy opponent like someone that that is not not to be trifled with and they just don't care do you think this goes back to now we're gonna throw the wayback machine quite a bit here the storm of chaos campaign do you remember this well sure they had butted him out of existence but i thought that got retro uh it got retconned yeah yeah but you have grimgore who ed butts archaeon says i'm the best and they walk off so i'm wondering if part of that goes back to that but also if he's the big guy and Archeon has, for all intents and purposes, he's beaten Nagash. Him and the rest of the armies have forced back a lot of the other surviving races, except for these guys. He runs so, all points. Nobody can take it from him. Archeon is really actually quite scary. 
I don't know yes. if we ever covered the Archeon book because it was like three three units. I, we may not have ever covered it. No, we but, didn't cover ever chosen. No, because this, I mean, there was three units, and it was just literally all lore, um, which I, actually is right up my alley, but we just never covered it, and I wasn't too worried about it. I, 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 even I felt gypped by that book, but um, yeah, he's he is one of the most legitimately frightening characters in the Age of Sigmar, and they're just, nope, nope. But if you're going to thumb your nose at the guy, you better do it and make sure you can back it up. And these guys have backed it up every time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Archeon has tried to do something about him. Yeah. I mean, basically, if if you're one of Archeon's... uh, Lieutenants, and you get sent to solve an orc problem. You're per- that's a death sentence for you, not the orcs. Because mm-hmm. he's going to get mad that you failed. Because they always fail. It's just brilliant. Um, in fact, as we talk about the Iron Jaws, and then we talk about the stuff. In fact, the opening reading talked about the the problems that they have with Archeon. You know. Um, I don't know if it's a problem with Archeon so much as Archeon has a problem with them. Oh, right, right, yes. Because um, I legit don't think they have problems with anybody. I just think they like to get up to it. Yeah. I mean, because in fact, that pops up. There's a, there's a, a, other stories in the book. You know, um, they, they, they like Sigmar. He's good for a scrap. They know he's good in a fight. They respect Sigmar. And they like his little golden boys because they're good for a fight, too. Yeah, there's a – if you really want, like, extracurricular reading on Gorkamorka on Iron Jaws, the Fist of Gork book from the Realmgate series uh, actually takes place with Gordrak. Yeah, involved. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is a good extra bit of background because you get to see how they react to them. And there's a gag in there. Where Gorjak wonders aloud, how many different colors do these things come in? With talking about the Stormcast. <laughs> and why are they different? I, they I must not have read that one. Yeah, it was a good one. It's uh, Who is he fighting? It's fighting the – I want to say it's the Vindicators and the Sons of Malice. How many is colors who they're fighting. do they come in? Yeah. Because they see the magenta ones with the Astral Templars. Uh-huh. They see the turquoise ones with Celestial Vindicators. They see the black and purple ones with the Sons of Malice. They get to see the Golden Boys. I'm sure they've probably run into at least one Hallowed Knight. <laughs> so, I mean, uh-huh. how many different colors are there? I mean, how many different Storm hosts have we seen in just the Stormcast books? Right. So, I don't know. No, it's different. I, I really, like I said, it's this book makes it so much fun. It just seems. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I just as I read it, it's it, it, they're, they're and, and they are and they're scary too. Like it, it, it makes it kind of fun, and they and they are still a little silly because they're just so single minded and simple minded at the same time with this sort of animal cunning. Um. But, I mean, these guys run through the eight realms just wrecking stuff. I mean, even, like, here, you know, let's jump into the uh, 
the the two headed god here section. You know. Yeah, talking about Gorkamorka. Yeah. So we've got Gorkamorka, who is a two headed god who long ago tore himself apart after a particularly spectacular falling out with himself. You know, <laughs> once again we get back to some of that silliness. Um but okay, um can we can we uh turn the we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine a lot with this. I remember the game Gorka Morka. When I first started playing Warhammer, people had mentioned it. I never actually got to play Gorka Morka. Um, but when I was playing, it was always Mork and or Gork. Uh, Gork and or Mork in all of these things. The rogue idol to Gork or possibly Mork. It was always possibly Mork, you know. Um so was Gorka Morka a thing, or were there two gods? Was this always this part of the story? It was two gods, um, one cunningly brutal and the other brutally cunning. Um, they each only had one eye, and their respective eyes were knocked out. Right. So they only had one set of right and one set of left. Um, one naturally tuned itself more towards the orcs, which was Gork, okay. who is that more brutality, while the Grats or Goblins got Mork, who was the brutally cunning one. You know, they used to say he was brutal but cunning, and cunning but brutal. And it yeah. was always like, okay, that makes kind of sense. I like the brutally cunning and the cunningly brutal, because that is a big difference. And it makes more sense to me hearing it that way, that, you know, in the, the way they're wording it now than the way they used to. Um, just saying that he's cunning but brutal, or he's brutal but cunning, but cunningly brutal is different. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. And bru- I just, I like the way they talk about it. I like how each of them, like you said, one one seems to favor the the Grotz and one seems to favor the Orcs. Um, but they were never a single god before, were they? At least- they might have been. I don't remember. Yeah, because I never understood what Gorka Morka like. I, I said I never played it. So when they said, "Oh, he was a single god who tore himself in half after a he falling may out. have in the old in the way back periods before I even got into it," but I always remember him being two different gods. Me too. So okay, so at least I remember it similarly to how you do. Um, but I think what they used to refer to Gorka Morka was like that sense, like. I don't want to say like their holy presence of like their divinity during the course of the battle. I think they described that as experiencing and being one with Gorka Morka because you're one with both of them in that oh, moment. Okay. Okay. So I wonder if maybe that was it, but I remember it being referred to as like this piano like thing. Um, it was like this encompassing as opposed to like individual, but I think now that they've got them smashed together or broken apart depending on his mood um well and he I only comes he only now. comes together during times of great battles mm-hmm. where they put their differences aside and get to the killing yeah and the smashing um it's uh it's it's just it's it's this is this seems to be to be that one last throwback to being a bit silly where he gets in argument with bit. himself and tears himself in half. But yeah, Mork, brutally cunning. Gork, cunningly brutal. Hold on. Oh, bless me. Ah. Now, when enough orcs get together, they do merge back for the duration. Um, oh, and then the huge contests between him and Sigmar. 
mm-hmm. are in here. Um, so the Oryx, they like Sigmar because uh, he had many scraps and his rivalry with the Hammer God. Uh, one tale tells when Sigmar and Gorkamorka had an eating contest. They had an eating contest. They grabbed up great fistfuls of the realms and stuffed them into their mouths. Sigmar ate a fiery mountain, so Gorkamorka drank an ocean. Sigmar inhaled the sky, his throat flickering with lightning, but Gorkamorka bested him by devouring the vast kingdom of Thrun, and its people live in his belly to this day. Uh, another tale, they arm-wrestled over the Vargoth Shard Plains, the contest shattering their glass peaks and creating two great lakes. Uh, one tale in Gur says Gorkamorka grabbed, Sig- grabbed Galmarez and knocked Sigmar clear across the Eight Realms, and the gods laughed afterward at the devastation it had wrought. Uh, even now, Iron Jaws respect Sigmar's strength and know his boys are always good for a fight. I just... It... it Sig- Sigmar doesn't seem like the kind who's doing these weird things. Like, uh, you know, you read all these other stories about stuff he's doing. He always seems very serious. But he also seems to understand. I mean, he was the only one who was able to get Gorka Morka to join their pantheon in the beginning and sort of keep some control over him. So how else would he have done it other than getting onto Gorka Morka's level and doing all these crazy things with him? Yeah, in... A lot of the other readings we've had, Sigmar actually does engage in contests of strength with Gorka Morka to uh-huh. kind of like win his respect and win him to his side. But they never like went into super detail about it. So maybe this is the Iron Jaws telling of what happened. Obviously, yeah. we don't know what happened. Right. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you, like I said, Sigmar did this before he had any of his Stormcasters peoples. He doesn't tell these stories. But obviously Gorkamork and them, they're all sharing these stories among among these guys. And they're just, they're wonderfully ridiculous. Like, you know, you don't know if they're hyperbole or if Sigmar and them are actually doing some of this nonsense as, as two gods sort of just like having fun with each other. But I do really, um, I think it's great. Um, now, did you read this part about the, the war chanters? Yes. And the heartbeats? This is pretty cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take this? Yeah, sure. So, War Chanters, um, these are the guys that get the beat going. They're sort of pseudo-priests, but they're not priests. So what they hear is like a constant thumping, hammering, hammering away in their heads. So they beat out an endless rhythm on anything they get their hands on to build up the Wah energy. And what they – it's like to the point that the sound shakes the ground from the combined sound of their sticks and they feel like Gork or maybe Mork is directly speaking to them. But the message is always the same. Go out and smash more faces. Yeah. And now the other thing that I liked in here is that they beat out two separate rhythms with their left and their right hands. Because one of the beliefs is that those are the the dual heartbeats of Gork and Mork. Uh, Gork, uh, as we said, is the cunningly brutal one. His heartbeat is slow and steady, and and just and and just rhythmic and and just keeps on chugging, no stopping. And then Mork, the brutally cunning one, his is fast and wild, as he's just constantly. 
at that high agitated state. So they're beating out both of these these two separate beats. And I like that that little theory of theirs that it's the two separate heartbeats, and that's why they're bashing out these beats, and it's just like drumming right inside them, pushing them to do this, and it uh, and it does seem to have an effect on all the oryx uh, in the neighborhood when they're yeah, doing it. Yeah, it does rile them up. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's little things like that. It's like yeah, you don't know if it's actually their heartbeats or what, or if these guys are just being uh, complete goofs. But uh, no, it's it's and whatever it is, it's working for them. I don't want to fall back on the on the old adage of you know things work or things are that way because the orcs believe it is. But it seems it kind of you know whether they're right or wrong, it's working for them. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 just so much fun. Um, let's take a. Uh, quick break I think and then let's come back and we'll talk about the land of Gur a bit and the power of the Wa. oh and the space timeline because they've got space timelines in here still so that'll be good alright mm-hmm. we'll be back Dakbad's Iron Sons. The Iron Sons are one of the largest war clans to fight in Gordrak's war. Mobs wearing their flashy yellow armor can be seen in almost every realm, and the Iron Sons throw their weight around making sure everyone knows that they are the best. Megaboss Dakbad Grotkicker has risen to rule the Iron Sons over a trail of bashed-in skulls and broken bones. The previous Megaboss of the Iron Sons... Gutdruck Fourfist made the mistake of keeping Dakbad around. Unfortunately for Gutdruck, Dakbad encouraged the Mega Boss through a realm gate to the heart of the Bloodspire Chaos Dreadhold, and then smashed up the gate so that, he claimed, none of the Chaos Warriors could get away. Everyone knows that Dakbad is cunning, and some Oryx even reckon he might have an eye on Gordrak's position. If the Fist of Gork is concerned about this, he hasn't let on. If Dakbad ever decides to have a go at usurping the Great Wall, he has better make it count. Because if he fails, the last thing he'll see is the edge of Gordrak's axe. We are back. Back and ready for war in the land of Gur. I didn't realize Gur was such a like it, it had big beasts, but it was kind of a nice place apparently at one time with yeah. all sorts of empires and kingdoms and great things in it. I mean, every picture I see of it, it's like a vast desert. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh well, yeah, that's because the orcs tore everything down. Yeah, it's not all like that. If you read some of the other Black Library fiction. Uh, there is like coastal towns to Gur. There is like jungles and oases and stuff like that. So it's not all complete desert, but the Oryx and the Iron Jaws in particular come out of the Badlands and the Ash Waste on Gur. So I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the artwork from. Ah, uh, okay. And like the bone yards and everything. So 
I think that's where we get most of the background from. Because even if you look at the picture that goes over page 10 to 11, this is what we initially got is our preview into Gur. Yep. Which is just a massive desert with bones and skeletons. Yeah. And so I just never pictured the other stuff. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time going over Gur itself. Uh, suffice to say that uh, Gur is a land where the strong survive and the weak are dinner. And this makes it a perfect place for the Iron Jaws because they come in and this is like an untamable land meeting a force that just runs through wrecking everything that stands in front of it. Uh, it they actually they, they fit quite well together. They do. Uh, there used to be filled with empires ruled by hunter kings and noble beast lords, and the orcs trashed them all. And the more they defended their place, the more they put up a fight, the more the orcs attacked them. The Iron Jaws, they're like locusts. They just keep coming over and over, wave after wave, until they've just trashed and devoured everything in their path. I don't know if it's necessarily the devour. I think like gutbusters would be more like that. Oh, but for these guys, right. it's the challenge. Yeah, no, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't knock something down. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean that they ate everything. They do loot through and they do take stuff and they do eat a lot of stuff. They got to eat something. Um, and their gore grunters apparently eat everything, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, it's the challenge. Like you said, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, anything standing, they don't like things that are bigger than them. It, it's it's actually said later in the book, they don't like things that are bigger than them, and so they feel they need to smash them and tear them down. Cuz they have to prove that they're the best, that they're the biggest. Yeah. So that's what they do. So that's this whole sort of um just this this whole realm, and then you've got all these mega bosses running around, and mega bosses form up a bunch of mobs. Uh, mobs can be any amount of orcs just in a group. Five mobs equal a fist, because five fingers, and then multiple fists become a brawl. And this is what they do: they just roll through with their fists, uh, smashing things. They are nomads, as you pointed out. They don't build any cities. They don't build. They any just cities. knock them down. Yeah, they knock things down. They loot what they want. They move along, and they respect only strength. Oh, and here we go. Hold on a second. <laughs> um, they'll go. They'll drag loot about or throw things to the gorg to the grunta sty, which is always good for a laugh. There can be no mistaking the handiwork of the Iron Jaws. One of their most famous acts of vandalism was the defacement of the monolithic statue of Archeon, which stood over the Manticore Realm Gate that leads to the All Points. Three times have different Iron Jaw, uh, Iron Jaw War Clans brought it down. The first time the Ever Chosen's helm was recarved into the grinning face of Gork, so Archeon sent a legion of guard to, to, uh, to guard over its repair. The second time the head was taken off entirely and replaced with a huge wooden grot head. Incensed, Archeon ordered the expansion of the Manticore Dreadhold. The third time they brought down the walls, raised a crude idol to gork over the fallen statue of Archeon. Now a new Lord of Chaos commands the rebuilt Manticore Dreadhold, peering into the wastes as auric drums rumble in the distance. Even Archeon's foot soldiers, if they're not afraid of the orcs, they're afraid of what he's going to do to them when the orcs finally overrun him because they're going to overrun it because that's what they do. 
Um, it's just they're it's crazy. Like they'll attack, and if you fight them back, they're just going to come back with more guys. Because obviously, this is a good fight. It's worth fighting because it's a tough fight, and they obviously just need more guys. Yes, and this is this actual Realmgate is mentioned in the uh, Bladestorm book in the Realmgate series, right? So, if you want some additional reading there, but yeah, it, the, it's 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 great. And once again, just irrit- they they cut they they recarved Archeon's head to look like Gork, and when he got mad and fixed it, they cut his head off and replaced it with a grot head, which is pretty insulting coming from an orc. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Replaced it with a grinning grot head. And then when he fixed it, they just got mad and tore it down. The whole thing. Put up an idol there instead. He has, This guy's got no sense of humor. Oh, so good. I love it. Um, Is there anything else we want to say about Gur other than it's, it's a proving ground for them. I mean, they just run through the realm picking out the biggest and baddest things they could find and fighting them. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's what Gur is to them. It's a playground, <laughs> and they've moved on to other realms to see like what else they can beat up, what else they can fight, and what else they can beat. But Gur is that's home, yeah, for them for a lot of them. No, it's 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 just uh, it seems like. I don't know. You go through this, these, these, like I said, you go and you look at these different armies and it's, it's, you know, this honorable fighting or, you know, I've been raised back from the dead and forced to fight for Nagash or, I, you know, the demons, they just fight for the destruction of everything. Everyone's got their reason to fight. It just seems like it'd be mo- the most fun to be an Iron Jaw. Like, they're just running through. Did you see what I killed? Yep. Oh, we got knocked back. Let's bring more guys and take it down. And that's like mm-hmm. the theme through all of this. It's just, I don't know. I, I it, it, it it makes me want to put them on the table and play with them. If they had more units, I'd seriously consider it. I don't know. Uh, should we move on to the power of the war? Yes. All right. So what have we got yes, here? Yes. Um, this opening paragraph, again, is just really sums up this thing and it's back to being a a an actual palpable thing um it was really quite a big deal in both game mechanics and other stuff back in seven in this with the sixth ed book for seventh edition uh the next book toned it down quite a bit here they're bringing some of this stuff back this idea um that that it's it's an actual this energy that they build up as they're getting ready to fight is is a real thing. Uh, eyes wide with battle madness, muscles bunched into quivering cords, and fists clenched tight around massive choppas. Iron jaws brutally, our iron jaws are brutality wrapped in green flesh. When they gather, the atmosphere becomes thick with violence as killing energy fills the greenskins, their primeval roar building into a deafening boom as more voices join their rumbling war cry. Orcs do not think about the war as others might think of magic or the divine hands of gods and spirits. It's a force as primal as the orcs themselves, like the thundering of a warrior's heart in the heat of battle or the satisfying crunch of bone under a punch. 
where orcs gather, there stirs a great green energy, growing in power until it is palpable as the scent of freshly spilt blood. It is vented upon victims with chopping blades and smashing boots. Um, it's interesting how they're, they, they're this this mystical sort of energy builds around them because that actually plays up with these other these other units later uh, as yeah. this energy builds up. Yeah, especially talking about like the weird knobs, especially because Wa is something. Now we've talked about this in the Bone Splitters review when they're actually saying is war. Yeah, they're saying Wa. It's not even Wa. Yeah. It's Wa. It's like a lower A. It's not a high A. It's Wa. Wa. Whatever. I'm Gratz. We usually just Wah! go with it. Yeah, sure. Or as but Christopher used is- to say, you'd put a little monocle in him in a top hat, and it's Waff. Waff. Come on, the monocle in the top hat ogre or orc, I mean, is 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 funny as hell. I don't care what you say. So <laughs> the raw energy it's twofold, I think, more than anything. It's the build up of the energy around them, but it also refers to like communing with the great green and channeling and harnessing that energy, and that's where the weird knobs take it, where they take that energy and unleash it in spectacular effects uh, the weird knobs are kind of weird they're kind of like weird staggery shamans that kind of move around forward and people kind of take them lightly because they don't want to smash your face in right away because they're kind of like yeah but teetering it's- not doing so well and then they let it go and it's just that buildup of the energy around the boys around them gets channeled out through them and it's pretty massive and i think the last part of the mention about weird knobs saying more than one sneering zinichian arcanite or sylvaneth branch wraith has learned to their detriment that to enter into a magical duel with a weird knob is akin to sticking your face into a fire and hoping for the best <laughs> It's great. That's a great explanation. That's a great descriptor of it. Because it's uh, it's completely unpredictable, and you're not walking out unscathed. It's just not happening. Um, they've talked about when the when the when this energy builds up, and you have just a massive, massive number of orcs funneling this energy. That buildup sometimes can actually change reality. And they talk about rocks smashing themselves against other rocks, trees uprooting themselves and just rushing off to fight with the with the orcs. That that energy gets that crazily built up. It will literally warp reality around them. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, some mega bosses are so powerful their war energy affects gargants, ogres, and trogoths as well. Yeah, the more bestial stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't just affect their own race. At, it, at points, it can spread out so much, it's real, and it affects other, uh, basically, you know, destruction, um, cre- you know, creatures of destruction. Yeah. And I even this gets translated into game turns, as we'll talk about later, with Gordrak. Uh-huh. So, yeah, very nice plan. Mega bosses draw in the power and focus it, but the weird knobs release it with their insane results. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you got some great artwork here, by the way, of these different battles from these different armies. You do. And this is one of the things I think a lot of people might have missed with this book is just how good the artwork is. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 like the two-page artwork with the one thin strip banner along the sides. And all of them are just little stories about different clans of Oryx. Um, yeah, not all of them. There's one on page uh, 14 down at the bottom where it talks about how uh, Oryx are fighting against both Stormcast and Bloodbound. Right. And the Oryx just smash through the rest of the Stormcast, and the Stormcast eventually see the wisdom in avoiding the Iron Jaws where possible, <laughs> leaving fortresses and enemies for them to crush in a faint reflection of the alliance once shared by Sigmar and Gorka Morka, because that's what it was back then in the Pantheon, where Sigmar would say, okay, Gorka Morka, go smash this up. Right, and just let Do him have thing. his way and stay out of his way and let him, let him yeah, have his fun, basically. Yeah, so it's a very similar relationship now. <laughs> they figured him out a bit. You know what? We can't we can't fight alongside these guys. Sometimes you just got to let them go and just trust that the thing's going to get done. Mm-hmm. Because either they're going to leave no stone, no two stones on top of one another, or they'll lose, and then the oh, Stormcast will have to come in and finish the job off. But more often than not, they're just destroying things. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take a look at some of these stories and look at the artwork, I would really advise it. It's they're short, they're little vignettes that really capture the essence of the Iron Jaws, and the artwork is just great. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get to the space timeline. Four full pages, two two layouts here. Um, did you have any? I got three. I picked out. Uh, my personal favorite out of this one was Iron is Iron. Okay, that's not one of the three I picked, so go with it. So, for this one, Ironjaw Brutes of the Death Fist War Clan invaded the demon pits of Gormurg, rampaging among its soul grinder pens. Tearing iron from the war machines, the Oryx hammered the demon metal into armor. Even though the living iron continually tried to crush them, the Brutes took great pride in their new armor, as it just proved how super killy they must be. <laughs> Because their armor is trying to kill them. Yeah. It's just... They're they're nuts. They're really crazy. Uh, I like that story, too. Um, I picked a few. The First War. Uh, tiring of Sigmar's quest for order, Gorka Morka began the First Great War. Oryx flocked to the two-headed god, and in an avalanche of green flesh, they tore a path of ruin across the realms, attacking their former allies and old enemies without distinction. When Gorka Morka, this is the part I like, when Gorka Morka came to the abyssal world's end, his two sets of eyes gazed for a moment into the fathomless dark before he spat off the edge of creation and turned about to do it all again. He literally ran to the end of the universe, got there, Hocked a loogie off the edge, and then turned around and said, "Now let's go back and do it again, and just start over again." Mm-hmm. That's a great story. Um, what else did I have? The axe of Gork and Mork. Um, Urgrak Bonefist, the half-faced boss, became the first champion of Gork and Morka and was given World Chopper, an axe said to have been made from iron ripped from Sigmar's throne. That's kind of interesting. 
that Gorka actually ripped iron off of Sigmar's throne and fashioned it into a weapon. Doesn't surprise me. No. Uh, millennia later, Gordrak, the Fist of Gork, found World Choppa and broke it into two axes to make it even more choppy. So I don't know if this was a, a two-headed axe or a really large one-sided axe that he cracked you know, that in that way to make it into two smaller ones. Um, yeah, if you look at the art, though, for Gordrak and the model itself, the heads are... I think it was more built like a two-headed axe with a blade on either side. And he snapped it in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It could go the other way, but it makes sense that it went that way. Mm -hmm. Um, This reminded me of uh, there was an axe in the old book that said it was heralding the coming of Ragnarok or Ragnar Orc. (laughs) Right. Do you remember that? I think so. It was the battle axe of the last war. Oh, right. I wonder yeah. if this is a nod to that. It could be. It would make sense. Um, and then, of course, I had to pick the Beast Keeps because well, it's more sticking the thumb in Archeon's eye. Uh, Archeon's legions scoured Gur, his armies toppling empires and setting lands aflame. Archeon's realm lords raised skull-bound keeps across the land to fetter its inhabitants. But the lords had not counted on the Iron Jaws. The keeps were swiftly overrun or placed under constant siege, and the brutes and bosses of many Iron Jaw war clans became adept at smashing apart whatever defense chaos could muster. Because when you build a giant fortress, uh, a, uh, a literal dedication, uh, you know, uh, a tribute to your power, you're begging them to come there. This is my impregnable fortress. I stand behind it, ruler of all I see. No one can get to me. That's, you know, that's just sitting there going, well, at least it's not raining because they're coming now. I love mm-hmm. it. I just love it. I really do. It, it's so much. Uh, it, it's, it, it's tempered just enough of the silliness off of them to keep them. It's still fun but kind of horrifying at the same time. Mm-hmm. These guys are sort of like tyranids in that way, in some ways. They're not mindless, but they're just, they're going to drown everything in them. Eventually, it seems like. I uh, just, it's, ugh, it's bananas. Uh, all right, let's jump, uh, jump over to the forces of this, to the ironclad armies. We'll talk a little bit about organization and stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, so organization, unruly mobs, uh, which are gathered into fists and then smashed uh, into the proper shape for a brawl. As we said before, a mob can be anything. A mob can be five, you know, really angry, ready-to-go orcs. It could be 500. Uh, the mob size is not set in stone at all. Uh, five mobs become one each of your five fingers, and those five mobs become a fist. Um, and then that fist is then, like we said, hammered and beaten into, uh, we get multiple fists. They become a brawl. Or mm-hmm. no, five fists. Actually, it is five fists make a brawl. It could be, they could be huge fists, but it's, yeah. The five yeah, fingers. It's five and fist. five. It's gathered into multiples of fives, one for each that the mega boss can count on. Yes, I like that part. Where some mega bosses, it said, have figured out they can hold their hands together next to each other and count past five. And then there are rumors of some even possibly being clever enough 
to to if they take off their boots, they can count even higher than that. But that's getting kind of silly. Most most of them most orcs don't believe that nonsense. Yeah, and sometimes it does get a little difficult if they've lost fingers. Oh yeah, yeah. That says if they've lost fingers, it's harder to count it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh goodness. Um. Oh, and I do like this part—the Iron Jaw leadership. Did you read? Mm-hmm. Did you read this part? I did. Did you want to? Did you want to? Because this is the just the big thing. Is it's like it's. Who's in charge? It's the biggest ones. Uh-huh. Why? Because they are. And at the center of Iron Jaw leadership are hard-headed bosses keeping the boys in line. And most of Auric language involves delivering backhanded blows and well-timed headbutts. Yeah. But then and you're like, okay, so that's not really a language, slapping a guy and headbutting a guy. But then read the next sentence. A mega boss can explain their entire strategy to a boss by giving them a sharp clip around the ear, the underlying knowing or the underlying knowing that at once what is expected of them. So they, this is the foundation of all auric battle plans. The biggest ones take charge over anyone they can smack about and take orders from anyone who can knock them down. Yeah. So it, it actually yeah, he slaps them upside the head and now he knows what to go do. That's I like I mean what <laughs> like how does that even work but it does it just works this is the thing with orcs their stuff just works and nobody gets it I don't they don't get it they just know that it works although the gorgrunts try to be like the tactical element to them <laughs> but it's really just run at them Fast it literally, yeah. It says that when they start naming all their little tactical things and their little formations, and yes, yeah, you know, it, it's really just run fast and hit things. Um, but so, like you said, anyone I can smack around is now my subordinate, and I am subordinate to anyone who can smack me around. Oryx accept this as a fundamental law, and often have trouble understanding why other races follow leaders just because they know magic stuff, or own a flashy fort, or wear a big hat. Although, some war clans have in the past tried to make the big hat system of leadership work, albeit with little success. That might be the funniest line in the book, right there. Why are you following guys just because they got a big hat? Hey, we could wear some big hats. Let's try the big hat thing. I just, I want to see pictures of that. I want some of that. It didn't didn't work. Of course it didn't work. They tried to base a system of leadership on their hats. Well, it's better than, you know, watery tarts handing out magical swords. Uh, it's just it's it's so much nonsense and it's just so wonderful especially after you read all of these stories and it's you know uh, marathi's trying to you know con everybody and the lizard men are here coming or the seraphon are coming in doing their thing and all you know once again you get all all of these fighting for a cause and trying to right the wrongs or trying to burn it all down and then there's, and then there's these guys who are just slapping each other around and heading off to fight. So uh, it says brawls aren't even put together, basically. Um, if they're, if someone's in a scrap and there's other orcs around, they tend to join. Because that's what happens. It's not like they, they gather all their forces to the meeting place 
and then prepare and then march out in the formation and then move across the land. Um, I'm going, and who's coming with me? And then as you're going, if the fighting's good enough, more orcs around are just like, oof, there we go. We're jumping in. We're in. We like a good mm-hmm. fight. They're literally always just looking for a good fight. So when you get someone like Gordrak, who seems to never, ever not be fighting, then it's it's everything they want in a leader. Yep. Yeah. And then they talk about, you know, the mega boss just kind of stands, you know, he just points and does a couple of things. It's a clear with a wave of their chapa that all the fists they can see are now part of their brawl. You guys come in, I wave, you know, I'm waving this over you, point you, you're just, you're joining in, you're going. Um, and then if a fortress is barring the path or a powerful monster or famous general makes their presence known nearby, this is all the excuse needed for a brawl to form because, of course, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Doesn't matter where you build it or what you do, they want to rip it down. So there are no two stones are standing and get through there and just destroy. It's 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 all about tearing everything down just for the sake of showing that you're big enough and strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, war clans. Um, you got a mega boss, a weird knob or a war chanter with a fist. Uh, up to a score of bosses with brawls and brawls under one big powerful mega boss. Um, basically, any size group of them can uh, can be out there fighting, and basically the bigger ones are just multiple groups of them all coming together. Yeah, and they've all got different names and different things that they do to distinguish themselves. Um, they're intended to impress and intimidate other clans and their enemies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so like the example they give is like the blood grins, for instance, wipe their mouths in the blood of those they've defeated and leave bloody handprints on their armor, face, and gruntas. Um, while death, death tooths paint their teeth black or replace them with, lit with bits of shiny black rocks, the fangs of monsters are razor-sharp metal fragments. So it's yep. just they do different things to adorn themselves. Sometimes they get named after a powerful boss, such as you know, Dog Rock or Zedek or whatever. Right. Um, but Gordrak is different because his original war clan is the Fang Crushes, which I didn't even realize until this. I just thought he was one of the yellow ones. Yeah. No. But he he's taken on all the yellow for that. But you no, know, it's uh yeah, they had the fan crushes. And those guys still keep their old name. Even though they're part of the, the new Fists of Gork, they keep their old name and they, they kinda strutted around. We were with him before before anyone Y'all. knew who he was. Yeah. Now there was a there's a little bit in here that I wanted to read, uh only because I never heard this and this is one of the few things that didn't that didn't seem like it was a maybe 
or if it was questioned that it's happening, it's just a granted, and I had no idea about this. It says here, it's a well-known fact that the more an Iron Jaw War Clan fights, the bigger it gets. Additional Iron Jaws are summoned by the sound of battle, while an Ascendant Mega Boss grows physically larger as the war intensifies around them. So, and it says it again later, they actually get bigger, like just... They're not just getting stronger and better at fighting. They are physically getting taller and wider and bigger as they win battles. Is this mm-hmm. that's what happens? Yeah. Uh, did any did, do, is there a reason for this? Like it just seems like a weird thing. You won a battle, now you're a, a size larger. Like it just seems like a weird thing. I'm not I don't have a problem with it. It's totally orky. Bigger is best, and best is bigger. So, oh, so that's why when they lose a battle, they just come back with more guys because they just weren't big enough, and they will be big enough once they smash this one down too? Possibly, but they bring back more guys to smash it down because it's in the way. But as they get bigger, it's also if they're trying to unite more and more brawls, like if you think about how it works, the biggest ones are the ones that run the show. Well, how do you get bigger if your body normally has its own physical constraints, it has to be some sort of additional something to make you bigger to boss around everybody else. Hmm. So there has to be some sort of mechanic because it's like, well, if they just eat more, like at a certain point, you have to realistically think that their bodies can't just keep growing. So because there's a certain limits, right? So it's this another latent power of the war that, that as like they win focusing battles, into them and like turning them into beacons for the energy to draw other people to them so they get bigger so, so it's easier for people to find them or for other oryx to find them that's kind of nutty yeah but also if you're gonna show that you're the best you gotta be the biggest i just how big is gordrak he's hefty He's big. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at the size difference between a regular brute and the boss, or in the Mega Boss on foot, because the yeah, Mega they... Boss on foot is, like, on a 60-millimeter round base. Yeah, yeah. Or a 65-millimeter. He is massive. But that's, again, because he's winning. And if he's winning, he's going to get bigger until he finds something that's bigger than him. And if he can't knock him down, then, oh, well. Yeah, no, that's just I didn't I didn't realize that. And as I read that, I kind of glossed over it, and it popped up again later in mm-hmm. uh, some of the unit entry stuff. And I'm like, wait, that, yeah, that when was, they talk about was, the Mega Boss specifically, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, that was legit. That really happens. That's kind of great. Yeah, and it's actually reflected in game rules too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna bring it up when we got to the Mega Boss, but well, we, and we'll talk more about it when we get there. But I just didn't realize that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love how they name with a desire to impress, and it's always some some you know some you know some sort of name, like you said, the blood grins or the death tooths. Um, some keep the names and remains of their dead Mega Bosses. Mm-hmm. If Mega Boss gets killed in battle, they grab the body, they keep it with them, and they keep his name. And then they never really lost the battle. He's still there. Yeah. And the one that gets me out of all of these is the Brutes of the Sky Basha War Clan, mm-hmm. 
who plunder the skyways in their airborne scrap hulks. How do they get them to fly? Also, so now we have Iron Jaws flying around on scrap hulks. We've had, like, Grot Sky Pirates, the Grot Bag Scuttlers, yep. mm-hmm. mentioned. Where where are they? Why don't we have them? Oh, I know. I'm, I'm so looking forward to those things. Like, they're teasing us with these little drops. And how do they fly? Because they know they can fly. They believe they can fly, and they do. Yeah, I mean the maw crusher is a little different, but well, if the maw and it could possibly be the same as the maw crusher, which when we we'll get to that later. But basically, gravity doesn't want to mess with it. Yeah, that's honest. Some that's a belief of some orcs. How can something that size with that small of wings fly? Uh, because w- what really? What's gravity going to do about it? It doesn't yeah. want to tangle with it. It's like oh, okay. Um, that's, that's literally all the lore. Like we've gone through everything at this point, uh, lore wise. I mean, there's, there's, okay. And this book is so full of pictures. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of art to this book. Yeah. This is at the point where you have so much, um, going on, you know, the iron jaw brawl here. Then uh, a little, more, more artwork, more pages, with pictures and little thing, little sidebars about the different. Um, yeah, they do mention two in particular, which is Dakbad's Iron Sons, and uh-huh. that's the kind of base color, the yellow ones, and then the Blood Tooths of like the Blood Tooths are trying to find the Gorjack and where he's going and trying to catch up with him, but they can't. So they constantly go through Realm Gates trying to find him, and then. The Iron Sons were one of the first to join up with Gordrak. Yep. No, it's uh, there's there's so much cool stuff in here. Like I said, there's and the story behind it. I mean, they're really short. Like they're just that one little column on the side of the picture. But the mm-hmm. picture's great, and the little stories. I mean, y- y- they managed to pack a lot, a little, uh, a lot of flavor to the lore in these single columns, these little bits of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, imp- it's pretty impressive how much they're actually able to pack in there. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've been going for 35 minutes. Um, you know what? Let's take a break again. We're going to come back. We'll talk allegiance abilities and battle traits from the GHB. Yep. Uh, and then we'll go into the units and things like that. So, folks, we will be right back. Okay, listeners. What's the number one rule of hobby gaming? Okay, well, the number one rule of hobby gaming is don't buy more models than you can paint, but we all break that rule constantly. So what's the real number one rule of hobby gaming? Support your friendly local gaming store. And my friendly local gaming store is Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No, not that Wakanda. And no, not that Lindsay. So why Lindsay's Gamer Garrison? What do they have to offer? First, they carry everything Games Workshop. 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Kill Team, 
all the paint line. They even have black library books. They offer special discounts every day. And if you do go in there and there's something out of stock, special order discounts that you won't believe. After you buy all your models, feel free to stay and paint them at their fully stocked, totally free to use painting station. And then, once your army's ready, sign up for one of Lindsay's monthly tournaments. That's right. They have a local one-day event every single month, alternating between 40K and AOS. And that's still not all. Monday is Build and Paint Day. Come in on Monday, work on your latest project, you get a raffle ticket. Come in and play Warhammer on Saturday, get a raffle ticket. Now, what's the raffle? Every month, two winners receive a $50 gift card to use on GW products just for coming in and playing and painting and being part of the community. And that's not even all you get for coming in and being a part of the community. Come in for that Saturday gaming where you get a raffle ticket. You also earn a Lindsay's Gamer Token. And when you have eight tokens, you can turn them in and get free entry into one of the tournaments that I just mentioned earlier. And that's why I love Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Fully stocked with all the GW product you could want, and they're doing their best to reward you for being part of the gaming community. What more could you ask for? A place to play, a place to build, a place to paint, a place to hang out, and a place that rewards you for being there. Folks, if you're looking for one place that will satisfy all your hobby needs, you have to come and see Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. And we are back talking about the shining and new allegiance abilities for the Iron Jaws and maybe some unit entries. We likes it shiny. Yes, it does. All right. Um, so they didn't. This is one of the early books that didn't have any of this cool stuff in it. Yeah, initially. Yeah. So now the GHB has given them battle traits, command traits, artifacts, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're playing Iron Jaws, they have three battle traits. Yep. Uh, Mighty Destroyers, roll a dice for each general and friendly hero. Add two if you're, to your general if it's a mega boss. So Keyword mega boss, yeah. Right. On a six-up, pick a friendly Iron Jaws unit wholly within 12 inches of the model being rolled for. That unit can immediately make a normal move if it's more than 12 inches from the enemy. It can pile in if it's within 3 of the enemy, but not attack, and can attempt to charge if it's between 3 and 12. So Mm -hmm. every hero, you roll a die, and uh, there's a chance that you're going to get to get some orcs, get them moving quicker. A lot of this stuff, most of this stuff is movement for them, it seems like. There's a lot of this get them moving and get them attacking as quick as possible. Yeah, it's the green tide is what it is. Um, and as long as we're talking about Mighty Destroyers, you probably also tag into Eager for Battle, which is you get to add one to charge rolls for friendly Iron Jaws units. So that's just a flat rule for them. Yeah. So they get to make these nice long charges and get a little extra oomph to it. Mm-hmm. And that's before you use command points for like rerolling charges and everything. So they definitely want to get in there. Right. 
And probably the single coolest rule that they have is smashing and bashing. Oh, yeah. This got used against me at when I went to that the the turn play the tournament at Lindsay's. You forget they have this and then they pull it out on you and you're like, "Oh no." Yes. Oh yes. So for these guys in the combat phase, after a friendly Iron Jaws unit has made all of its attacks, if the attacks made by the unit re- made by that unit resulted in any enemy units being destroyed, one friendly Iron Jaws unit that has not yet fought in that combat phase can fight instead of doing so later in that phase. So it sets up these chains where if you have a unit that duffs up something small, you get to pick another unit to fight to punch something a little bigger than them that they may not be able to kill right away, and it's, like completely. It's not – there's no range on it. No, it's the table. Yeah. And we were playing, and I'll tell you what, a good five-man brute squad – um, can take out ten or twelve, uh, you know, um, little duders or yeah, a ghouls or, or skeletons. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of these, like you know, six up save horde things coming into play. And these guys just, if, you know, if you're throwing a chaff unit in of uh, ten wounds, and and it's not heavily armored. These guys are going to chew it up, and then it's like, okay, I wiped that out. Now that guy over there gets to attack. Mm-hmm. And you know, granted, you know they're they're just getting to go out of order. They're not getting an extra attack later when it becomes the proper order. But getting to attack with all of your stuff first. Yeah, it's almost like high tide. Yeah, for the deepkin, but it's every turn as long as they keep bashing something. Yeah. And that, and they said that happened, and it's like he smashes, then this guy's come in, then these guys smash through stuff, and next thing you know, all of his units have attacked, which, yeah, I mean, I, I still get to attack, but not completely, because normally, after he wiped out that one unit, someone else would get to attack, and if you're playing it, if you're playing cleverly, you can run a string. Cunningly. Or cun- cunningly. That's right, sorry, if you're, if you're being brutally cunning. You can run a string of these together and take out a lot of different bits of chaff and pieces that are suddenly we're hoping they would at least get some licks in. And they got nothing. This this is really cool. Um, yeah, it's those tactics things. <laughs> yes, tactics. T a k t i k. Ah, you big green dopes. Um. All right, so um, as always, when we jump to the command traits and the artifacts of power, I say the ones I think are cool first, and then Alex tells me if I'm right. So <laughs> let's go into this. Uh, command traits. Uh, I picked five and six. Uh, Prophet of the War. If the general has the War or the Mighty War command ability, you can reroll the dice to see if the relevant units can make an extra attack. If the general does not have one of these abilities, they can use the command ability from the Mega Boss War Scroll. So basically, if you don't got it, you get it, and if you do got it, you get rerolls to make it happen. Um, I just remember that being pretty devastating against me, and I think getting rerolls to it, it, I mean, when you can get the reroll, it seems to be a good thing. Uh, and the other one I picked was Ironclad. Uh, worsen the rend characteristic of enemy weapons by one to a minimum of dash if they target this general. Um, just cutting back on rend is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. So those are the two that I picked. Um, 
I liked I liked those. Did you? Were there others that you were going that you thought were uh, worth three and four? Okay, are five and six any good? Did I pick? No, they're fine. Uh, okay, but you you have there are good options here depending on how you want to play Iron Jaws. Mm-hmm. So there is a little more flexibility to it. Whereas like other charts that have like standouts, these guys have four that are really good. Oh, okay. So you you actually picked three, four, five, and six. Like I got half of them. Yeah. Oh, I I actually thought four was pretty good, but I'm like, man, you know, I don't want to go and pick all of them. But yeah, no, no, no I can no. see how these are good. Uh, Why don't you take them? Brutish cunning and bestial charisma. So I like these again because I'm the sneaky one, but also, uh, so brutish cunning. So at the start of your opponent's charge face, you roll a die, and on a five plus a friendly iron jaws unit, holding within twelve of the general, including the general can attempt to charge, and this happens before any other charges. So this happens in your opponents. So I'm getting ready, and you're like, nah, you roll a die, and you can, that, yeah. I can, yeah, I could see and that. And then when you add the plus one to charge from Eager for Battle, and then you could always spend a command point to re-roll the charge. So you're deciding where to get in and locking guys in before they can actually get their charges off and go after other things. Yeah. Cunning. Yeah, and there's a, like, we'll get into this, but the Ard boys have drummers that give plus two to run and charge rolls. So oh. they plus three on the charge distance. That's actually a reason to take them, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. Also, you need bodies, but we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, I like this one because you can also send in a cabbage. Um that's the affection name from Maw Crusher. Into the middle yeah. of their army as they've got all their charges set up, and then suddenly here's God the damn ball. Chris Tomlin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he's the first person I heard call it a cabbage. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Um, and then we have Beastial Charisma, and this one I like because Iron Jaws have like a serious leadership problem for whatever reason. Uh, it's pretty low. Yeah. So if the general uses inspiring presence uh they get to pick d3 units to be affected by it rather than one so if you're taking a kick in you can spend a command point to effectively use three command points potentially to keep your guys alive okay so that's uh that, well, we did four of the six, but we got in a bunch of the ones we liked. Um, all mm-hmm. of this stuff actually seems pretty decent for this particular army. Yeah, um, and they're all a little different depending on how you want to play them. And that's what I like. I like that there's four here that can all go according to your play style. Um, mm-hmm. The one constant standout where everybody just takes it, I, I don't have a problem with it per se, but it gets boring. It was like when, yeah. it's like when everyone was taking whatever it was called for the for the stormcast the um, staunch defender yeah because why wouldn't you take that that one's just too good and then it becomes well there's all this other fun stuff that nobody's even trying but here you mm-hmm. never know what's going to come up against you so okay artifacts of power now this is another one where I tried to just choose two because mm-hmm. there were there were some cool things in here that I was like oh I kind of like this this is pretty cool um I just I don't know why I I guess I I maybe I go for this stuff that's slightly flashier because like as I'm looking at this I know the boss skewer number 6 looks really good 
but that's just oh that's just adjusting the bravery and I'm like mm, you know what I like I like one in three I like uh, I like the armor of Gork you know you put this on your guy and uh, if you make if your save roll against a melee weapon is a six up uh, the you do a mortal wound against the attacker after the attack's done. It's uh, there's uh, several stormcasts who have this, and you'd have no idea how often a nice roll suddenly chips away at a character. Um, on the deep on a defensive roll, chipping away at the character. So I like that one, and I like the daubing of Mork. Uh, roll every time a wound or mortal. It's basically it's a six up death save. Yeah, um, wound or mortal wound, six up save. Those are always good because you're especially i was thinking with these guys you know the whole the whole strategy of this army is run forward as fast as you can and be as killy as possible doing it um so you're gonna it's not like you're gonna be hiding behind something or screened behind something or shielded you're gonna be in the thick of it with this army so a six up death save can only be helpful, especially with some of these larger bases, and you've got a ton of guys around you delivering all these little hits. Uh, the, you know, you're getting a thousand cuts. If I can stop, you know, uh, you know, 150 of those cuts, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I went with, at least. That's my picks and my theories. Which ones did you choose? I went with the boss skewer. You did uh, go with the boss skewer, the one that I was okay. Yeah. Um, just because, again, I think they have a bravery problem, so I want to make sure that my guys are staying on the table and fighting rather than not doing anything and zogging off. Um, but also, <laughs> when, they do a lot of damage, and for them to bust through units, because the other thing about the boss gear is you get to subtract one from bravery characteristics of enemy units while they're wholly within 18 inches of your general. So you're going to do a ton of damage to begin with. And then this adds that extra little tick to make it that, is that really much harder big, for them to it? stick around. That's a, yeah. that's a three foot wide circle. Yeah, around. Yeah, yeah you're a the you're plate, the center. Yeah, essentially. Um, there now there are good ones in here. There are also a lot of really good realm artifacts that work really well with Iron Jaws. Um, if you don't want to take the worse than the Ren characteristic command trait. Ironclad, you could take the Ethereal Amulet from Death and just ignore all modifiers. Okay, so that's always uh, a three up. Oh right, right. That's uh, that's in the main book, right? That's in Malign Sorcery. That's okay. Oh, that's the Realmscape features that's in the main book. I always do. We talked about this last episode. Yep. Um. Yeah, I got to play in 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 uh, Shyish, and we were uh, playing there, and then. Um, you did bad things with Nagash. Oh yeah, that's what he does. Oh yeah, but that that what that particular that that artifact or that ability to just basically make you ethereal is <clears throat> so good. When yeah. you've got a three up save, who cares about the modifier giving you the plus one or the re- you know? It's like and question, um, because of the way that. Uh, What's the spell? What's the spell that everybody gets? The um, the Mystic Shield. Yep. Mystic Shield allows you to just... It just re-rolls ones now. It doesn't change or modify your roll. Correct. So the Mystic Shield still works on for you 
even if you you're basically a three up ethereal. So because you ignore no modifiers, but a reroll is not a modifier. Right. So that actually can be great, couldn't it? Yeah, Mystic Shield with that. Um, the other thing with the armor of Gork that you had suggested, um, that just says a six plus. It doesn't say an unmodified six plus. Oh, so if there's so if you get hit with rend. Okay, yeah, that's not as good then because it's not. A... Oh, okay, and the the biggest thing is if Iron Jaws had more things in their arsenal to modify armor saves like Stormcast do. Because the Stormcast, you have Staunch Defender, you have the Lantern from the Castellant, you have this, that, and the other thing. Iron Jaws don't have that. Right. So for them to get that modifier chain, they don't have it. And I would rather my guy just go and either smash something or just say, Rend, that's great. I got a three up. Merry Christmas. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, the other two standouts that I've seen a lot of people run with success. Um, Mike Westendorf, in fact, out of Indianapolis, he was running the Sword of Judgment uh-huh. uh, from Ulgu because Iron Jaws want to punch characters, especially the heroes, because they get better as they kill more heroes. And for them to do that many mortal wounds against heroes, it's pretty mega. Oh, yeah. Or the... Uh, what do you call it? Oh, what is it called? The cloak, or the doppelganger cloak from Ulgu. Oh, is that the one that doesn't allow you to do your attacks? Yeah. I just heard about this thing listening to uh, Face Hammer. Yep. That thing is dumb. Like, when you find out how it works, it's, that's the only unit that can attack. It doesn't mean they don't get their attacks until you attack. It means it's their turn. They have to go, and they just don't get to do anything. That's wonderful. Yeah. Especially if you have a unit that can keep up with a mega boss on a Maw Crusher, like a unit of, I don't know, Gorgruntas that are nice, cheapest chips. You send the two of them in. You attack with the Gorgruntas first. They have to waste all their attacks, and then you got a full strength mob or mega boss on mob crusher punching in after the fact. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Tactics. Tactics. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of good options. Easy combo. No. 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 (laughs) Um, But again, it's you have a lot of different ways to play them, and the realm artifacts really help Iron Jaws out a lot because then it gives you many more options as far as how you want to play your crew. Yeah. Uh, Last thing in the GHB is we do have the two giant war scroll battalions, the Iron Sons and the Blood Toofs. Um, Yeah. uh, This is one that you're never going to get to play in match play because it's too big, I'm assuming. No, no, no. They're both... Easy fit. Oh, no, because you can go to zero to four. Okay. Oh. Yeah, both of them require an iron fist, which we'll talk about, which has to contain five units, which you're going to do anyway. Um, and then a mega boss on a mock Russia. And then anything else. So you can do one drops with iron jaws. Oh, that's great. Yes. It is. 
Um, so the two of them, the Iron Sons is, so it's the Mega Boss on the Maw Crusher, an Iron Fist, zero to four additional battalions, and then any number of Iron Jaw units. Um, so with this one, and this is a big one, Roll Dice after setup is complete, but before the battle begins, on a three plus, subtract one from hit rolls for enemy units in the first battle round. That includes shooting. So this is like uh, Cunning Deceiver from Grand Alliance Chaos. Uh-huh. So the biggest thing that Iron Jaws don't have inherently in their book is shooting. The first round of the game, you're primarily getting shot at. Well, that is true. Or if you get into fisticuffs because they can do it, your guys are going to be that much better because they can't get hit as often. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Dakbad's bashing is an additional one. The Mob Crush or the Mega Boss Mob Crusher is essentially Dakbad Grot Kicker. Okay. Is like, it's not a named character, but that's who they assign this to. Um, so he gets to count as having slain a hero when the battle starts from the strength of victory, which is when a mega boss kills somebody, a, a hero specifically, or a monster, I think. They get to add plus one to the attacks characteristic of the weapon that killed him. Yes, and don't they get plus one wound or something like and that? And they get plus one wound. And if you kill multiple heroes during the course of the game, that just keeps stacking, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he already gets to have um, an additional attack on that particular weapon, whether it's the rip iron f- or the rip two fist or the choppas or whatever. So he gets to pick one of his weapons to get an additional attack. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So that's a pretty good one. And then the blood tooths, this one. And this is where I really like the uh, bestial cunning part to this. So they have two rolls hunt and crush, which is they get to add one to run and charge rolls for units in a blood tooth's battalion. So they get plus two to charge rolls, plus four if they're an ard boy. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And then the other fun one is you get to set up a realm gate in your opponent's territory before they even set up a unit. Okay, I saw this add, and I wasn't certain actually what the like what this was what was up with this. Yeah, the point is, so there's twofold. You can, if you give your opponent a realm gate, they can use it to get around behind you by going through the realm gate potentially. Right. But what you get to do is, as long as there is a baleful realm gate on the battlefield. You get to add plus two to the bravery characteristic of all of the blood tooths. Oh, so okay. it helps solve that bravery problem. So it's one of those things you have to set up in your opponent's territory. If they want to take advantage of the realm gate, you could throw the realm gate off in the worst possible spot in their deployment just to keep them away from you. Okay. Or make them deploy in a weird fashion. Oh, okay. I see. I couldn't fear. And it says, as long as it's still there, I'm like, wait, can you destroy these things? No. 
Okay, so because the wording was weird because it said as long as it, it's still on the board. Like, how's it going to not be on the board? Like, what are you going to do? Well, this also, as long as it's still on the board, like, there's some wording like this where they can, there could be something where you can destroy it, maybe down the road. Who knows? Oh, okay. They don't want to, like, I can't imagine that they want to pigeon them, pigeonhole themselves into things for rules writing. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, yeah, because I looked at these and I said, wow, they're big. And then I remember looking at them working, wait, zero to four. So people do drop these down, huh? Yeah. The Iron Suns is one of the big ones because, again, it's at minus one to hit potentially and the extra attack on the war boss. Um, but the Realm Gate one can be pretty tricky. Um, and as far as the Realm Gate, um, yeah, it's just you get to be. For this one, if you read the Realmgate or the Realmgate War Scroll on page ninety-one of the GHB, they have to put a wizard or a priest and a unit over by the Realmgate in order to use it. Oh. Otherwise, it's just a terrain feature that gets in the way. Where is that? Hold on, you said page ninety-one. Yeah. Let me look at this thing. The Baleful Realm Gate. Now, that's that's just the Realm Gates, right? Like the ones that we have, right? Yep, yep. All right. At the start of your movement phase, use one to transport one unit from your army. In order to do so, you must be wholly within six inches, and a friendly priest or wizard must be within six inches. If that's the case, remove the unit from the battlefield, set it up wholly within six inches of another Realm Gate, and more than... Oh, that'd be another Realm Gate. Because it used to be you could teleport to the... Uh, board edges or another realm gate. Right. Now it's just another realm gate. Yeah. So you're essentially putting a useless piece of terrain for your opponent, unless you have another realm gate on the table, and you get to add plus two to your bravery, and you have something else to get in the way. Huh. So it used to be you wouldn't take the blood tooths because they could use the realm gate to get around and move around you with the change to the realm gate they can't unless there's another realm gate on the table right hmm tactics yep tactics okay i see what's going on here all right well that's all sounds pretty good actually mhm and when we get to what that other what that fist battalion talks about um it's even better Oh, yeah, because you can add in all the stuff from the different fists. And they've got how many fists? They've got brute. Well, there's gore, five fists. Hard. Yeah, oh, that's right. Weird and iron. And then there's just the brawl, which is one of each of them. Mm-hmm. Or five total. Okay. Um, I guess we should keep going. Let's. Should we at least talk about Gordrak? I think we should talk about Gordrak. I don't think he'd appreciate it if we didn't. Oh, no, he'd smash our heads. That's what he does. All right, Gordrak, the Fist of Gork. Every orc has heard of Gordrak. He is the chosen of Gorkamorka. He even has a little origin story here. Yes. Uh, of course, nobody knows if it's true or not because we don't know if any of these stories are true. Um, where is this? Where is it? It's right here. Yep. So during the Age of Chaos, the minions of the Dark Gods tried to enslave the Iron Jaws. 
building countless dreadholds throughout the Wild Kingdoms. Taking exception to these edifices, Gork slammed his continent-sized fist into the Wild Heart, a monolithic green storm of energy descending from the sky to pound the fortresses into the ground. When Gork's fist vanished, it left behind a smoldering fragment of knuckle bone, and as the green fire seared away its surface, a hulking megaboss was revealed. Whether or not this tale of his origins is true, Gordrek has become known as the Fist of Gork and does nothing to dispute the story. Some even say that in Gordrak's good eye, one can still see the bunched knuckles of Gork a moment, a moment before the megaboss smashes their face in. That's great. <laughs> like, that's yes. Just, that is so orky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they even go in and talk about um, Big Teeth. Yes, which is the Maw Crusher. Right. That he rides. Where's the the story to that one? I know that's it. Uh, oh. Um, oh, first of all, how he... Uh, how he... Uh, Forced it to submit. Uh, apparently, it was so vicious. Anything that that uh, Big Teeth looked at died of fright. Your hearts burst before it even got his claws into you. Cunningly, rather than stare it down, Gordrak engaged it in a yelling contest. The noise caused an avalanche to drop a nearby mountain on them. After which, Gordrak put a hood over Big Teeth's head to claim him. Other oryks say that Gordrak is so much like Gork. He came with brutality to spare, and one day he wrung the surplus out of his fists onto the ground, and it grew into big teeth on the spot. It's just so, it's just crazy, uh, the the stories that go behind these guys and how big he is. But basically, um, what it comes down to, he is the mega boss of mega bosses. He draws everything to him. All orcs want to be a part of of his great war. And uh, even Grotz, Gargans, Ogres, Trogoths, all of them follow him. Um, it says, if the Iron Jaws are a combative tornado spinning across the mortal realms, he is standing in its eye. Uh, these are just great descriptions. I just, I love him. Yeah. In the Black Library book, The Fist of Gork, they do spend a lot of time with Gorjak, and he is actually fairly quiet. By comparison, he really is that calm, directed eye. He doesn't speak a lot, but when he does, it's usually with his fists. Uh Uh-huh, which is the best way. Yes. He's not the loudest one, but he is the best one. That's how you gots to be. Mm -hmm. So should we we, uh, talk about him in-game? Because that's kind of how we've been doing it, and I kind of like doing it this way. Now we've got his lore. Yeah. Let's talk about him. Um, Gordrak comes on Big Teeth. Big Teeth can fly. Now, he's got Smasha and Cunnin, the the two halves of the the great, what was that? The, the, the World Choppa. The World Choppa. Um, he's got the inner bursting bellow, and then Big Teeth gets to attack. Um, he's... It, it seems too good, like when you read all this stuff. Uh, he can move up to 12 inches, depending on wounds suffered. Three up save, eight bravery, 15 wounds. And he is very killy, isn't he? 
He he's only got nineteen attacks on his profile. <gasps> and that doesn't even well that he's got more than that. He's got twenty three to twenty seven, doesn't he? Because of the bulk. Well, that's different. That's not an attack. Well, I mean, it kind of is. It's smashing its bulk on you. Got to roll to see if you do any damage. It's a special yeah. sort of attack, but it's still. I mean, this is. But like him himself, if you charge Gordrak, he's got eighteen close combat attacks and one shooting attack. Yeah. The Miley Cyrus ability is only when he charges. Oh, okay, right. All right, so let's talk quickly about what he can do. Uh, first of all, uh, smash up wound rolls of six. Do D three mortal wounds instead of just two if the target is a hero. Yeah. So you actually run a risk of doing less damage, but you can can do more. So if you're attacking a hero, wound rolls of six, smash it can do D three mortals instead or D oh he does D three mortal wounds instead of yeah. the normal two damage. So that is really good then. Yeah, the normal axe is five attacks, twos by threes, ren one damage two. So it's pretty good, but Oh yeah. But then if you did yeah, getting that to be mortals is good. Uh the other one, Cunning. It's the same thing. Five attacks, twos by threes. It's got no rend and damage one, though. Um, wound rolls of four or more against wizards do D3 mortal wounds with Cunning. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, and it just wants the wizard keyword, and there are a lot of units now with the wizard keyword. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so like Blue Horrors... Uh, the Brolocks, Sisters of the Thorn, or Pink Horrors, I should say. So a lot of those units, oh, Evocators. or something like that? Oh, Evocators, that's it. Oh, they all have the wizard keyword. Oh, so that suddenly becomes even better, better. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Um, oh, he's got the strength from victory thing, slaying an enemy hero. It doesn't say anything about a monster, so it's just a hero. I thought it was a monster. Yeah. That's my bad. That's the plus one wound and plus one attack to the weapon that did the did the final wound. Uh, oh, then, I know what I was confusing it with the Chaos Lord in Slaves to Darkness. Oh, right, right. Is hero or monster. Right. Uh, and then Big Teeth, as he completes a charge move, pick an enemy unit, roll the number of dice, and for each four up, it take the unit takes a mortal wound. You start off with eight dice for this, and it drops all the way down to four. But yeah, this is the Miley Cyrus move that I had mentioned earlier, because it is a wrecking ball. It is, definitely. Oh, it's good. Um, what else has he got? Oh, um, oh, I, this on the rampage, does this happen very often? It depends what he smashes into. If he hits a single character on his own... It's entirely possible that he could do it. Okay. Now, you get to pick when you roll his destructive bulk. Yeah, at any it's after he's or after he completes a charge move. So this after right after a completed charge. So you can't mm-hmm. wait for all the other attacks. It's just if this does it. So it's yes. not going to happen as often, I guess. It it might happen later in the game, again depending on what he's hitting, but if he comes in as a secondary charge after a unit of brutes has knocked a unit down a peg, and there's not a lot left, he comes in, smashes it, 
He then gets the opportunity to make another charge move if there are no enemy units within three after the destructive bulk kills anything. And he can do this any number of times in a single turn as long as each one results in all enemy models within three inches being slain. Mm-hmm. If you play with some tactics and try to be cunning, this could come in pretty useful, I suppose. Yeah. It also depends. If you want to build your army to better support this, you could ally in things like spear chuckas um, or rock lobas or some sort of artillery to make things get squishier. So say the bulk can rampage over things. Um, the important safety feature to this, though, is that this is not going to trigger smashing and bashing. Oh, okay. Because this happens in the charge phase. Smashing and bashing is specifically the combat phase. Oh, okay. So, but that's fine be because you got ten attacks between Smasher and Cunning, five attacks each. Um, then you got the five attacks from the big, uh, the mighty fists, which also hit on twos by threes with two rend and three damage apiece. Yeah, it starts hitting on a two. Uh, yeah, it going up can, to six. It can drop to a six. It was taking wounds, but still, five attacks, twos by threes, two rend, three damage. Big teeth is, and that's just as fists. Then he gets three mm-hmm. from the tail, fours by threes, one rend, one damage. That's still there's a, there's a lot of wounds being put out here. Isn't what is it? It's potentially potentially without well without going into the D three mortal wounds because the odds of you hitting all of this is rare. Thirty three damage. It's thirty three, isn't it? Yeah, ten and another five and another three is eighteen. Well, it's another 15. And then 15 on that is 33. Yeah. yeah and that's just in the – that's in combat. He got up the, the D6 with the uh, missile weapons too. Yeah. The bellow is one attack, two by three, ren one damage D6 at an eight-inch range. Yeah. Wow. That – wow. That's a lot. That's just – that's a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, you're paying for it. And you're putting a lot of eggs in this basket, but man, is it killy, isn't it? It is. And then what's his, his command ability do? It's probably one of the most underrated command abilities on a special character. It's a once per game. In your hero phase, you can pick a destruction unit that's within 20 inches of Gorjak. And in the following charge phase, that unit can declare a charge if it is within 18 inches of the enemy. And you can roll three dice to determine the distance rather than two. Okay. And in addition, the unit makes two extra attacks, which each of its melee weapons in the following combat phase. But if the unit you chose is part of a War Scroll Battalion, then these benefits also apply to all other units from the battalion. Oh. So you get a lot of guys already into combat. Then you go to charge with this one. Oh, no, wait. So they don't all just get... Do they just every unit just get two extra attacks, or do they have to complete a charge? Okay, so when it says in your hero phase, benefits you pick apply a destruction to, yeah. unit. Okay, in the following charge phase, that unit can declare a charge if it's within eighteen inches. And in addition, the unit makes two extra attacks. Okay, so it's an extra rule. Okay, so you don't have to make the charge in order to get the bonus attacks. Oh, right. Okay, I did. Yeah, so you don't. Okay, okay. And so if the, so, then basically everyone in the battalion 
is getting two extra attacks with each weapon this turn. Yes. Is he in any of these battalions? He can be in a big one. <sighs> that, But in order to fit him in a mega battalion, you have to take another cabbage, him, and the Ard Fist, and then the battalion. So it's not likely. Okay. Because I was just saying, an extra two attacks, I mean, that raises the potential by... Like another twelve wounds. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you could pick himself for his own command ability if you really wanted to, but I think you'd waste it if you could instead hit your army. Oh yeah, or at least a good chunk of it. Um, I've seen Gorjak run effectively with a with a Gore Fist, which is the uh, Gorgrunta Battalion, right? So he hits the whole thing, and they have four attacks a pig, three attacks a guy on each one of these Gorgruntas. So the Gorgruntas go up to six attacks a pig. The Oryx on top go to five, and they're on you turn one. That's that's fun. Yeah. That is because fun. reasons. <laughs> yep. Okay, I see how this can go. Yeah. These guys are super killy. Yeah, and he's the biggest one, and he's actually a good special character that can roll out of Iron Jaws and into mixed destruction because he affects any destruction unit. Ooh. Oh, yeah, it's just a destruction. You're right. Yeah, so he could hit like a unit of Mornfang Riders or even like a unit of Iron Guts. Get those things up to five attacks a piece at Ren one damage three. <laughs> yeah. So he's a good character that can roll around into a lot of different combinations of things. Interesting. All right. Um, let's see. We've been going about 40 minutes. We should probably break and then come back and try to wrap up all of these units and then we'll do one last break and do the battalions. Yeah. Take a quick breather, and we'll be right back. Bloodtooth's War Clan. To find the best fights means finding the Fist of Gork. The Bloodtoofs know this, and so their hordes of crimson mobs fight across the mortal realms looking for the legendary Gordrak. Megaboss Zockbag Realm Ripper knows his war clan is the best, and so assumes that the Great War must be waiting for him somewhere. Always on the move, the Bloodtoofs hunt out realm gates looking for the one Gordrak is on the other side of. Along the way, they aim to win as many fights as they can and took time from their hunt to cut down the singing oak of Phaeus, silencing its gentle song with their choppas and giving its guardians a good stomp in the boot. In the penumbral vault, the flesh-eater courts of Marrowthirst felt the blood-tooth's wrath when the Iron Jaws smashed into the king's menagerie and turned his clutch of zombie dragons into a twitching idol of Gork, or Mork, depending on the angle. No territory or kingdom is safe from the blood-tooth's violence, 
as Zogback leads them through one realm gate after another, seeking the biggest scrap. And we are back talking more Iron Jaws, who is the best, because he has to be. Day's the best. Days. Uh, but speaking of the best, we actually made the worst. Um, and we forgot to check the FAQ and errata for Gordrak, because uh, they did make a small revision. Uh, so his command ability now reads that you can use it once per battle in the hero phase, and if you do so, Pick a friendly destruction unit wholly within 24 inches of Gordrak, not just within 20. So that was our oops, but we got it fixed. Jobs are good and back to work. And they've done and they've done a lot of that. Uh, there's been a lot of taking the stuff that just has to be within a certain range, where so that way you're not stringing one model into that zone. Mm-hmm. Instead, we expand the zone, but now the entire unit's got to be in there. So it's still not bad. It's still a massive range. Yeah, I mean, it's a four-foot circle. It's basically, if he's standing in the middle of the board, it's touching both ends. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Because he's on a dinner-sized plate, so. Oh, that's right. So that's even past both ends. It's it's not past both ends, but it's pretty close. Well, yeah. I mean, no, if you're dead center and it's four feet, it's two feet from either side of center, and that disc is pretty big. It goes at least an inch or two. In each direction, so yeah, it's just it's yeah. not going to hit both ends, but it's going to cover the a massive chunk of your army. Yeah, that's regardless. Great. So, all right, yeah. So why don't we move on and start talking about the mega bosses? Yes, okay. the biggest and the bestest, but not Gordrak. Yes. So if you take Gordrak out of the equation, these guys are the biggest. Yes. Because um, the more battles they win, the bigger they get, which I just learned. <laughs> Yes, they start to hulk up, and they get stronger, their muscles get bigger, their teeth get longer, and they just get bigger. And it's weird, because they, again, go through the, it might be this, it might be this. Right. Some of them think it's because Gork or maybe Mork is inside them trying to get out, that's why they hulk up. Yeah, they're getting larger and larger as he's... To, to make room for him as he wants to get out. I thought that was great. I'm like, that that's your idea? Because then if they get big enough, they think they'll become gods themselves because then Mork or Gork will fit. Mm-hmm. It's just, wait, what? Yeah, and they go around punching down mountains or stomping on fortresses. Or they go by, the mega bosses have always been the biggest, following the trusted auric logic of, quote, it was like that when I found it. <laughs> that's that's fantastic it really is now some mm-hmm. mega bosses can come on maw crushes gordrak isn't the only one uh who rides them and it turns out they might be the perfect uh mount for them they're huge they just pound through things um once again they can kind of fly uh but the orcs think it might be just because gravity doesn't want to mess with them. Yes, because they do have stubby legs given the size of their bodies. Right. So. Um, and so 
I love this. At first, maw crushes were a chance for brave iron jaws to prove their metal, often with fatal results. I just, I'm going to go take that thing on. Oh, there goes Phil. Um, Poor Phil. And then they basically, they tame them by, like, screaming right back in their faces or getting up on their backs where they can't reach them and punching them in the head until they submit. They never truly accept their riders and need constant reminding of who's in charge, but they enjoy a good scrap as much as anybody. So if you're standing on the back and punching it in the head and making it run forward, if you run it into a battle, it's usually going to forget about you and be content with what it's doing. Yeah. And so good. The big thing with these things is they're kind of dumb. But if you look at the models themselves, the... Riders are actually like chained to the maw crusher. Well, how else could they swing their choppas? Yeah, but it's not like they have a saddle or they actually like properly ride them. If this thing is essentially a bucking bull, but it looks more like a small dragon, yeah, well, big dragon doesn't breathe fire, whatever. How else are you going to hang on? They got chains that literally seem to just be put right into its skin. Yeah. Uh, from, I believe, three directions, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's perfect. You create a nice, uh, you know, a, a plane, and they're just hooked into the front and the back left and the back right of their belt, basically. Uh, and just hope. Yeah, and they just stand on it, and the chains, you know, hold on, and so then they can swing both of their choppas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's so good. It's so dumb. Um, yeah. Because I look, too, very... I'm like, how are they swinging that? Oh, my God, they're just chained down to it. Yeah, they're surfing, but with some addition. Uh-huh. And these guys, they just pound armor onto themselves, the biggest and the shiniest bits. They get the biggest choppas, the heaviest armor, and they just add more and more layers of shiny stuff, trophies, or anything that they think looks important or makes them look impressive. Yeah. And so... The only difference between this, I mean, I mean, there are obviously differences between this and Gordrak. Um, they have most of the same rules, the strength from victory, the destructive bulk, the on the rampage. Um, oh, we're on the Mawboss, or the Mega Boss on Crusher. Yeah. Uh, the main difference is they carry different weapons, and their weapons are not quite as good as as his. Uh, you know, that, and they they don't have the cool rules for Smasha and Cunning. Um but they either come with a gore hacker and a scrap tooth or a choppa and a rip tooth fist. Now, the boss gore hacker, so, uh, I mean, basically they're very similar, except they have fewer attacks and they hit and wound on threes instead of uh, hitting on twos, wounding on threes. So, yeah, they're still pretty good, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing you'll notice is that they have one less wound than Gorejack. Right. So they only have 14 wounds, which... Only. Okay, 14 to 15. Doesn't sound that big of a deal, but that extra pip, just to make sure that they survive a little longer, helps. Yeah, and they do have a different command ability. Yes. Uh, this is the Mighty War, and on this one, count up the number of iron jaws within 15 inches. Is this FAQ? Did we look at this? <laughs> no, this is right. It's iron okay. jaw units, so iron it's jaw not units. individual models. Yeah, the number of units within 15 at the start of the combat phase, roll a die. If the die is less than or equal to the number of units, 
This model and all the models in those units get an extra attack with each weapon in the combat phase. If the roll is a six and there's at least six iron jaw units within 15, then it makes two attacks rather than one. So if you roll the highest you can and it still succeeds, you double down. That's that's actually really good. It is. It's weird to like think it out in your head the first couple times you look at it. But once you actually use it and get it in your head on how it works, it's actually a really powerful ability. Yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, some you, you, when you see the named character on a cool beast, and then you get the generic character. Oftentimes, the cool character is just way better. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying Gordrak isn't great; he really is. I mean, he's obviously better. But for the cheaper points, plus this guy can can take in a command ability and an artifact. Yeah, there uh, there is nothing wrong with this. With this, no, no, there isn't, and. The thing you have to remember when you count this up is you're including himself into that, so, so you always have one. Oh, yeah, he's and one, yeah. Units within 15, which is a pretty big bubble around that massive plate of a unit. And it's not even so wholly within 15. It just says 15. So this is one of those little things where you can kind of chain it, but it's still good likelihood that you're going to get this, and then you can stack this. Oh... Do you roll for each one separately? Yes. Because oh. if you use the ability, you roll a die. Oh, right, right. So if you wanted to stack up the command points and just go for it. Here we chances go. Are, Here yeah, we go. Chances are you're going to get plus one attack every time, but you could roll a couple of sixes depending on how you stack it and just go bonkers. So – Getting six units, though, this is a pretty expensive army. So here's my question, and I, well, I, I'm just we can we can talk more about this later. But the the units of brutes, if you're going to take multiple units of brutes, do you just take them in little units of five, five to ten, or maybe a twenty? But you're also counting up any Iron Jaws unit, which could be like an individual character. Oh, that! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So if you've got a couple of chanters or a weird knob behind you, that also adds to your numbers really quickly. I didn't think about it. Wow. Yeah, you could really almost guarantee an extra attack from every weapon, and they almost all carry two weapons. Yeah, or some variety of weapons. Right. The Brutes have a lot of different weapons, so the Yard Boys, but if you think about it with the Gorgruntas, they have two profiles, the Mount and the Rider. So you're adding plus one attack to all of those melee weapon attacks. Obviously, the mega boss, and then the brutes have a ton of attacks. So. And it counts for the mount. I always get confused yeah, about what counts for the mount and what doesn't. So yeah, because this one just wants the iron jaws keyword. Oh, okay. Wow, that's 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 pretty good. Yeah, and it even says in the command ability that then this model. Okay. So it automatically includes the mob, the mob crusher boss. Yeah, this model and all. Okay. Huh. Yeah, because he is within 15 inches of himself. They We cleared up that stuff a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No, it's pretty sharp. And now if we just go with the straight up mega boss. The one on foot. Right. Uh, he's got a boss chopper in one hand and the rip tooth fist in the other hand. 
Um, seven wounds, three up save, eight bravery. He's not. He doesn't move fast, but he moves. I mean, he moves as quick as a retributor. You know, with all that yeah. armor, that ain't bad. Mm-hmm. And he's got six attacks with that big chopper. At threes and threes, run one damage two each. So he can do some pretty nasty damage. Uh, he's also got strength from victory. So if he kills somebody, you're putting the attacks bonus directly onto the boss chopper, not onto the riptooth fist. Is it says that specifically? It's not the weapon that killed him. It's the strictly goes right to the boss chopper. Oh, okay. So you've got that, and then they have an ability that is worth its weight in gold, which is the go on lads get stuck in. Go on lads get stuck in. Yeah. And this is just a passive ability where you can reroll hit rolls of one for friendly units of brutes that are within five inches of him when they attack. Okay. Okay. Did I told you about when I played against these a thousand points of these at, at Lindsay's? Mm-hmm. It was two of these, just on foot. Two of these, yep. two units of five brutes and a unit of ten brutes. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering, I was like, there were. I mean, this is not something that leads from the rear. There's no orc that doesn't get stuck in in this army. Um, yeah, they were rerolling ones and hitting on threes. I was just like, what is going on? And then double damage. I was just like, oh, oh. it was wiping stuff out left and right. These guys are so punch you in the face. Yeah. So reroll ones on all brutes. This is so good. Yeah. If you take a mega boss on a cabbage, do you put this guy next to him too, just to get all that, all those extra bonuses? Well, that bonus is only for brute units. But still, so if you get a bunch. You're going to take a unit of brutes. You put this guy behind him. If it's like a ten pack or a big unit of brutes, you put him behind him to make sure that they get the chopping done. Oh, that's so good. And because he is. A character, he still gets the Rampaging Destroyers rule, and he's not a bad fighter for what he is. No. Um, if I'm correct, uh, now, the on the Maw Crush, you got the Mighty Wah, which is all units within 15. On foot, he's got the Wah, which is just all units within 10. Yep, so it's a smaller range. But it it's the, the same thing. Side. Oh, if this had slightly more variety of units, I'd want to play it really bad. Well, it does, and we'll talk about that when we get to the allies section. Like, you know, you know, we were talking about how much I would love to do a brass stampede, mm-hmm. low model count, just big run it up, punch you in the face. This, this is, this is like vying for that. That, like, you know, like competing against that for the spot. Is yeah, it's a good elite army because <sighs> everything's got a four-up save at least. But when we get to the battalions here in a few minutes, once we get through the rest of the units, it plays very corn-like in places. So good. Okay, um, let's let's move on and talk some war chanters. Yes. All right, war chanters. Uh, these are the rabble rousers hammering out that the heartbeats of Gork and Mork. Uh, and here comes our dichotomy. They're always around the big, the big, you know, the, 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 not the fists, the, what do you call them? The, the brawls. Yeah, the brawls. The question is, does the drum beat, because it, you know, that riles up all the orcs around them, all the iron jaws, does the drum beat draw the mega 
boss to the war chanter, or does all the war energy that the mega boss is gathering with his brawl draw the shaman? Once again, it's Gork or possibly Mork. Mm-hmm. It's just, it keeps coming through. Um, I like these guys. I like the, I just, those, the, the, the giant bone sticks. They just, uh, there's something about them that I just think is funny. Like, I don't know what it is about them on the model. It, that's, it, this, this is the one model that doesn't quite do it for me. I'm just, and I'm not being too picky. I just, this model particular, I'm like, man. Well, the, the joke is it looks like he's directing traffic with air traffic control sticks. Exactly. I mean, um, what's the other option? If it looks like he's drumming, suddenly he looks, you know, like we already, we've been making fun of noise Marines for years. Like, <laughs> yeah, the big thing about this model that I'm particularly care for is the horns on the back of his armor. Yeah. They come off at a weird angle. He looks much better without them. Yeah. I, I just, if I had any complaint about any of the stuff in here, it's this particular, even weird. I got a P weird knob, uh, works better than this guy I think this guy just I don't know but now he's only got six wounds and I say only because for an orc character that is pretty low um, and he's got the uh, four attacks threes by fours no rend he's, he's you know he's he's pretty basic for an iron draw yeah uh, roll a six for the Gork stick and the Mork stick, and you get an additional attack. That does not st- that uh, the, we don't. There's no exploding uh, dice on this, right? Well, if you read the FAQ. Oh well, that's what I'm asking you because I don't have it in front of me. It does. This does explode. Yes. Oh, because this is a special rule that overrides. Oh. That's what I saw. I was online. People were complaining about the rules and how. Rules yeah, there's a couple things like that. Override. The Way Watcher uh, fast shot he keeps generating. Um, there's some stuff that keeps generating, and this is one of them. Okay, so you got exploding dice. Well, I mean, he's only got four attacks. I mean, how much can it explode? And, well, then you do the second ability. Uh, pick one Iron Jaws unit within 10 inches of War Chanter. You can add one to all hit rolls. Oh, so you can put that on himself. Yeah, so you could go, if you have no units within 10 besides himself, he could then go, you know, do the drum solo if he wanted to. <laughs> but So then fives fives explode. Yeah, and he hits on twos otherwise. Hitting on I mean, twos. He's not going to do a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one only, damage, no rend. It's not, yeah, that bad. And only wound on a four. So, I mean, he's not mega, but what he does for the army is massive because most of the army hits on fours, but to suddenly change that notch to threes or make the bosses go to twos. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the mega bosses going to twos is just bananas. And you know, uh, can, you, can can you do that on the you can do that on the war boss on the maw crusher? Yeah, and then that'll hit the whole profile. So the more the maw crusher will then start hitting on threes with his tail. But with his fist, he already hits on a two. Oh, okay. So once he starts getting duffed up a little bit, you can start ticking him back and getting him hitting good. Yeah, this is... So you you almost want at least one of each of these characters in your unit, in your army. 
you generally want one or two war chanters. It just depends on how you build your list and what the rest of it is. Because stuff does get expensive quick with Iron Jaws. Yeah, I noticed that. I was looking over lists going, oh, man, you run out of points in a hot second. Yeah. All right. Um, let's jump to the shamans. Yeah, the and weird knob shaman. That's the last of the characters, and then we got only three units. So this is this is where the this is where this is where it gets quick. All right, the living conduit of the war. Don't know why some become shamans. <laughs> I love orc reasoning. Um, it may be just from a hard blow to the head, like they get hit in the head real hard, and now they can become shamans. Um, they're never fully in control of their bodies. They're twisting, twitching, gibbering. But, you know, why would a blow to the head? Because most of the time, a good knock on the head gives you guys good ideas. And these guys are, like, in tune with the energy. So a heavy blow to the head might just give them the right ideas, put them completely in tune with that war energy. And suddenly they become wizards because, you know, it works. I mean, if if I can hit you in the ear and you know the battle plans... I suppose I could hit you, rabbit punch you square in the back of the head and make you a wizard. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And they have, there's a paragraph here I do want to read, which is just perfect. Other Iron Jaws don't normally mess with weird knobs. Many are the accounts are of bored brutes poking the brawl shaman with a stick just to see what would happen, only to have their heads violently turned inside out. All Oryx know weird knobs are crazy. But they are also devastating in a fight, and the bigger the scrap, the more impressive the results of dragging along a weird knob. Being too close to one in battle can be dangerous, as auric heads have a tendency to explode when a weird knob unleashes his power. However, Iron Jaws consider it worth the risk to see a weird knob quote go off. Yeah, I was, yeah, I had the same, I had the same passage marked. Uh, didn't this go back? This was like old sixth and seventh ed book rules, where it said sometimes they would just channel too much magic, and if they couldn't contain it, their heads explode. Yeah, which is—is um, is there any other army or unit where if they have too much magic, their heads explode? This is pretty They're unique to Oryx, isn't it? Who else it has is, their head explode? Uh, I believe some of the Bone Splitters characters can do that. I think the War Doc can blow up a little bit. That's just, I think one of the one of the other Oryx shamans blows up a little bit, but nothing like this guy. That's just silly. Yeah, no, I love it too. Uh, when you read that, I, you started reading. I'm like, yep, that's the passage I had marked. So, all right, so let's see what can what can the shamans do for the for the for the fist here. Yeah. So move four, five, save six wounds, which is pretty good for a wizard. Yeah. Um, he's got D3 attacks, 4 by 3 run 1 damage, D3, so he's pretty decent in fighting. But the big thing is he's got two spells on his War Scroll, but he only gets to do one cast and unbind. Uh, so the first of which is Green Puke. These are both cards and champions, too. Huh? These are both cards in Warhammer Champions. Yes. Yes, they are. Yep. Most of these are, actually. Um, so, Green Puke, it's got a cast value of 8. You draw a straight line 2d6 inches long from the mouth of the Shaman, and any unit crossed by that line suffers d3 mortal wounds. Well, it's every enemy unit. So, pretty short range, but given the change to Arcane Bolt, 
that's quite a bit of damage potentially once you get stuck in. Right. And then the other is Foot of Gork. Uh, so this is a cast value 10, so it's pretty massive. If it goes off, you get to do D6 mortal wounds on a unit within 18 inches of him. And then roll a dice. And on a 4+, plus, you get to stomp again. And you resolve another D6 mortal wounds on an eligible unit, and you keep rolling until you fail. Uh, now, this is an unusually high casting value. It is a massive cast value. I mean, a 10. I don't... I can't think of any other spells that are that high. Like, and I mean, I'm no expert, but no, I mean, it is one of the highest cost spells in the game. But D6 mortals and a 50% chance to do it again, and a 50% chance to do it again, and that's really good. Yeah, this if is your dice get hot. You could delete mm-hmm. things, a big things. Yeah. Great. Yep. Now. To compensate for his really high cast values, you have his special ability, the power of Dewa. Yeah. So you get to add one to his caster on binding rolls if there are ten or more Auric models within ten inches. So it's the Auric keyword, not the Iron Jaws keyword, and we'll get to that. And you add two to the roll if there are twenty or more Auric models within ten inches. However, if the cast value, if the caster on bind roll was a double, then the closest other friendly auric unit within 10 inches takes d3 mortal wounds that was totally worth it oh that's erratic because it says closest or and he is the closest to himself so closest other friendly yeah when you said that i figured okay he's not reading it exactly like it's written that must be in the faq it is this guy he's kind of powerful he can be i mean if the dice go off and he doesn't kill everyone around him but that's but their heads exploded. What are you going to do? Their heads be exploded. So I mean, in a it brute? Makes, yeah, it makes the foot of Gork go off on a 10, or go off on an 8, or possibly a 7 if you're near arcane terrain. So there's ways to modify it, and then you could give him a realm artifact to boost his casting ability, if you wanted to, depending on the realm. So there are ways to jack up his ability. It's just a matter of if you want to do it. Yeah, no, that's great. That's yeah. I like this. I like. I, I'm surprised I don't see more of this army when I'm playing. They're not flashy. They don't have a lot of shooting. They just have inherently. It's just the maw crushes, right? That have the shooting. So they're kind of one sided, and they have really low bravery, and not a lot of ways to buff their save. So they look a lot like Stormcast. Yeah. Um, But they're just not as flashy, and I don't think it really does them justice because they are a really good army. It's just a matter of people playing it. I see what you're saying. Um, Let's see. We still got, what, five? Uh, let's let's do let's do a little more because we've still got we still got to get to the battalions and stuff. Let's keep going. Let's check yep. along a little bit. So then we got brutes. Uh, brutes are bigger and meaner than most warriors from any race. They are the foot soldiers of the Iron Jaws. They love to go. Uh, I love when they describe how they like to go after biggins. Mm-hmm. You know anything. Um, that's uh, it's a monster or on a really large mount. They love to go after and. You know, 
a couple of roots run up and jump on the thing, and it knocks them off. And all that does is make the rest of them scream louder and more jump on it. Like, they just literally mm-hmm. are just, they will swarm it. The tougher it is, the more they will just sit there and swarm this this monster, which is great, by the way. I mean, that's just such a cool image of them like ants swarming over something. Uh, in fact, it even describes how off, there's oftentimes been many, um, there have been many uh, like lords on big, big, scary monsters who have been shocked to be buried underneath, um, buried underneath uh, a, just a swarm of these things, like not expecting that that can even happen. Mm-hmm. Especially given their size and bulk. Yeah. It's just it's just crazy. And I just love the image of it. So um I I just uh I I I think these guys are cool. And getting to see the models up close and how large they are and uh and, and stuff like that, I just like oh these guys are really cool. I really, really like them. Um, mm-hmm. let's talk about how, how well they thump things. Cause they can have, uh, this is where I get, a, I got a little confused because there was just so many attacks coming in with so many different options. It just seemed like every time I rolled, I was taking off tons of models. Every time the guy attacked me. Yeah. So first things first, you pick a unit of brutes and then you get to decide if they have two brute choppas or a jagged gore hacker. So that's the easiest decision. So what's the difference? The hacker has a two-inch reach with three attacks. The choppas have one-inch reach with four attacks. Both are threes by threes, ren one, damage one. Okay. So that's the first decision you make. The second decision is one in every five models in the in the unit can instead carry a massive gore choppa which is a two-inch reach, three attack, four by three, Ren 1, damage D3. Okay. Rerolling ones, by the way, because of the thing, if you got a guy near a... If you're near a mega boss on foot. Right. You get that reroll. And then the boss, which is a brute boss, he comes with a boss choppa or a boss claw and a brute smasher you're most commonly going to see the Smasher and the Claw. But the Boss Chopper, for reference, is three attacks, threes by threes, run one damage, two. Now, the Claw right. is one attack, four by three, run one damage, two. And the Brute Smasher is two attacks, four by three, run two, damage D3. It's like, well, why am I going to take the things that hit on a four plus? Well, it's got a special rule. For the boss with a claw and a smasher, you roll to hit with the claw first. If okay. that hits, then a model from the target unit has been grabbed, and the brute smasher automatically hits. So you're just rolling to wound. So you get one attack with the claw, and if it if it hits and wounds, or just if it hits? hits. Oh, just okay. hits. So you still get to roll to wound with that, but the brute mm-hmm. smasher automatically hits. Yes. And then that's wounding on threes with two rend and D3. Yeah. Or if you've 
buffed it with a wah or a mighty wah, you then get two-ish attacks with the claw, so chances are you're going to hit with the claw and then oh, get yeah, yeah. three automatic rolls to wound. You could conceivably get two extra attacks. Oh, my gosh. Then that's three with that and four with the smasher. Yeah. Oh, that's dumb. It's not dumb. It's that, no, that's, awesome. That's, that's kind of dumb. Nah. Um, and you're re-rolling all failed hit rolls if the target has a wound characteristic of four or more. Yeah, and that doesn't have to be a hero. That doesn't have to be a monster. It's anything with a wounds profile of four or more. Oh, these guys are good against ogres, aren't they? They're very good against ogres. They're very good against bulgors. Um, even like some of the big stormcast cavalry because they all have five wounds. Um, oh wow! There's a lot of stuff that these things like to hit. That's so much fun. That is so yeah. good. So, I mean, it does have to have a characteristic of four or more, but if you think about what are a lot of the things that are four or more, eels for Deepkin, four or more, Zangor Enlightened on Discs, four or more, Bulgors. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they want to duff up, and you do see those quite a bit in armies nowadays. Oh, I see. All right, cool. Um, okay, Gore Gruntas. I, okay, what do you think of this model? I love the Auric. The brute on top of it, great. No, oh, the brute on top, yeah, very dynamic. I the, go ahead, keep going. The pig. Um I have a problem with the neck beard. Exactly. This whole thing looks great until you get past the neck. Like even the top of the head is okay. It's dopey looking. But I I I, I I put up with the top half of this of the head, but the the beard doesn't even make sense. Like it's it it looks like a long beardy hair thing going down, but like it seems to just go straight down, no matter which direction the jaw is pointing. So if the jaw opens up, they just all angle. Like it's just I it it really really disturbs me on this model because this model should be incredible. And most of it is. Yeah, like 90% of it is. But that 10% is, it's right there and you can't ignore it. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just me. So let's talk about Gore Gruntas, though. These are the shock troops, the prized mounts. First of all, they eat anything. They do. Okay. And Okay, they eat anything. They eat people. They'll eat rocks. In fact, they love going after... Um, Dread dread dreadholds, because mm-hmm. dreadholds have a lot of uh, skulls. Well, what doesn't in Warhammer? But they have a they have an abnormal amount of skulls, even for Warhammer. So they like to eat those because that's more you know animal bone than rock. Um, I do like the fact that they literally eat anything. So if you're going up against a heavily armored soldier, they eat him armor and all, but they can't digest the armor. So there are groups who are whose job is to harvest the undigested metal for weapons, and they call it pig iron. Yes, that's that's brilliant. Take take a term that we use in real life and turn it into something just really kind of gross. A little bit, but it works. I just can't help but feel sorry for this pig. But you know, yeah, I mean, he's got a poop out 
you know, a, a, the guy's wearing full-on plate armor. This thing poops out the plate armor because he can't digest it. That can't be good on your colon. Um, and but then the orcs harvest it, clean it off, and wear it. Yeah, or they pound it into weapons. Yep. Um, and then when they when 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 there's an area where lots of uh, gruntas are moving through, they go on a grunt hunt, which is that's if you want to become a rider, you got to get yourself a, a mount. Uh, mm-hmm. They chase it down and corner it, and if it doesn't eat them, they hammer iron plates onto it, um, driving the 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 nails in with their fists. Mm-hmm. So they slap armor over its head and then punch the nails straight through the armor and the skull bone or whatever bone. The shin bone, yeah. neck bone. I mean, they're punching metal spikes through metal sheets. Now, Into pig flesh. Yeah. I mean, orcs are tough. Like, and I mean, this isn't just revelation, but I mean, they, you, you know what it is? It's that orcs from fantasy, like they were always listed as bigger than men, tougher than men, scarier than men. Um, and then you get them on the field and they got the same stats as a, as a human. Right. Yeah, they were a little tougher, but they were never like imposing. Right. Unless it was a unit of biggins, which was just a different rule, or but what th- was? Didn't they have the black same orcs strength? Now the Ard boys. Didn't they have the same? Yeah, strength? the regular orcs. The regular orcs were strength three, which is the same thing as a human was, but because of the chopper, they got an extra strength the first round of combat. But that was it. Right, and they were but were they, they were toughness, toughness four? four? Yeah, so they, they were, were tough fourth. And normal human is toughness three back then. Right. So they were tougher, but like, I mean, they're these giant monstrosities with the howling and the screaming and the flex of spittle. And it's like, they just look like something that could rip your arms off. Right. I mean, and well, but, now they do. now. Well, yeah, um, I just they never lived up to the stories like on mm-hmm. the tabletop. And here they they feel like they would. Yes. But I just I love the whole just punching the metal into into them. Um, yeah, and they consider themselves better than the brutes because they're getting to the fighting first and they move faster. All right, yeah. So they think they're better than the brutes just because they move faster and have a pig. Right. Um, I do love the one that they talk about. The hardest Gore Grunta boss, so he claims, is Gore Gore Track Iron Teeth. Um, he virtually lives on his grunta's back, content to let him carry him from one script. So he just never gets off, apparently. Uh, he even eats like a grunta, catching and gobbling down the bits of gristle meat and bone thrown up by the mount's feeding frenzies, all the while grinning madly like Gork himself. So when the grunta's running through and just eating things and chopping and slobbering, any of the chunks that are flying off as he's just wildly flailing his mouth around... Uh, he just grabs those out of the air and eats them too. Like he is mm-hmm. one with his mount. That's just kind of great. So now these guys, so let's see. They've got two more wounds than a brute. They move really quick. They go from a four movement up to a nine movement. Uh, and they're one more bravery. What else have these guys got? They got the choppers. 
it's uh-huh. only three attacks, threes by threes run one damage one. They could take a jagged gore hacka, which is three attacks, four by three, run one damage one with a two inch reach. Um, I've never seen someone take a jagged gore hacka uh, with gore grunters. The extra inch of reach, I uh, and so like yeah, I don't. No. Not with how big their bases are, because these things are on the 90 millimeter ovals. They're as big as like Stormcast Cavalry. Yeah. So that two inch reach doesn't really ever come into play unless they're attacking over little models. Nah. But it's not worth it to hit on a four. No, I don't see taking I it don't either. Think. In addition, they also get the Fanged Mon Hooves from the Pigs, which is four attacks, four by four, no run damage, one. So, not terribly impressive. It's a lot of attacks, though. Right. It's kind of like just a regular mount. Like, regular mounts usually only get two attacks, like the guys on horseback and stuff like that in the other armies. But yeah, so these, these guys, guys get, four. Get, get more attacks with more accurate hit and wound. Because it's normally a 4 by 5 with a regular horse or something. Oh, right, right, right. So, the boss gets an extra attack, so he doesn't get any cool weapons. But... They have the Gorgrunta Charge special rule. Uh, so for this one, when you declare a charge with a unit of Gorgruntas, measure the distance to the nearest enemy unit. So it doesn't matter if that's what you're charging, if the nearest enemy unit. Okay. If the distance is 8 inches or more, and you successfully make the charge, the Gruntas Fanged on Hooves attacks inflicts D3 damage rather than 1 until the end of that turn. Well, still, oh, so I mean, it doesn't have to be the one you're attacking, but if it's if the closest thing is eight inches away, yeah, you're probably attacking that anyway. I mean, unless you get possibly, a, do you get it? You don't get to go charge on three dice, do you? Not without Gordrak. Oh, wait a minute. What? So, what does Gordrak do for them again? He lets them roll three dice for their charge with his command ability. Oh, pick a unit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that working, but even then, I mean, that's still that's still a stretch. Is it? They get plus one to their charge rolls for being Iron Jaws with the Allegiance. So all I have to do is roll an average of seven. Well, that's true. And if they get the Gorjack command ability, they get to roll three dice for their charge and get to add plus two to all their attacks. So it's six attacks a pig with Gorjack. Oh, well, okay. That could be good. Yeah. Fours by fours, D3 damage. And uh, and now, and I always ask the dumb questions because I, I can never remember the rules. Uh, is it a single D3 you roll at the end for all the hits or the, all the wounds or do you roll a separate D3 for all of you them? You roll for each. Okay. That could be. Oh, that's that's. Yeah, that is good. Oh, these guys are good anyway. I mean, I mean, there are people who just are taking full on armies of just all Gorgruntas, right? Because they they're because yeah. they're battle line in in uh, Iron Jaws army. Yeah, all three of the units are battle line if Iron Jaws. Um. So, but these things are also only one hundred and forty points for three. So they're cheap as chips too. Wow. Yeah, one hundred and forty. You can. Wow, you could have 10 units for 1,400. I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but... No, it doesn't, actually. And we'll get to that when we talk about it later. 
uh, with the battalions, but That's... no, it's actually not bad at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for someone who really would like to play orcs, but doesn't want to paint a bajillion models, you could, this, this is the elite, isn't it? It is. All right. Um, Let's do the Yard Boys and then take a break. We've been going forever, so... Yeah, and this is the last unit, and these guys, I I have a hard time understanding these guys, because these aren't necessarily Iron Jaws, but they are Iron Jaws. They're, They're the guys that stuck around, that the Iron Jaws just kind of say, okay, you you is okay. Yeah, it, it is weird. Even reading it, it even reading... Um, so, Iron Jaws... Are, it says, are like the fists of Gorka Morka. Uh, the Ard Boys hear this tempo, and they want to go fight with them, too. Um, next to the Iron Jaws, these are the toughest of all. Now, can, can they eventually become Iron Jaws? I mean, if they win fights, do they get bigger, too? I don't know. You see what I'm saying? I mean, Yeah, I mean, they're trying to impress them. That's why they fight the way they do, but they don't fight like Iron Jaws do. No. Because they're weird, um, they first of all they they wear their armor is much more it's forged armor like it it's it. I guess the other like the brutes just bend iron and just just force it into shape. Yeah, they, I mean, they pound spikes they with force their it, fists, pound it onto themselves. These guys actually forge their weapons and forge their armor. So they have actually nicer looking weapons and armor than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fight in like disciplined ranks, not like hooting mad mobs. Yeah, they got banners and drums and all those things. And um, the Iron Jaws think they're a little weird because of it, don't they? Mm-hmm. They do, but they're the most numerous in the warband usually because they're smaller. There's not as many of them, like the brutes comparatively. So, yeah. So these were like the big tough the these were the brutes of the old orcs and goblins army basically. Yeah, these were the black orc models um but are now the line troops basic lowest on the totem pole troops for this army. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing like cuz even when I looked at them I'm like these guys don't seem to fit but, no, they are a weird unit in the context of the army, but they do a lot of things for it. Yeah, um, yeah, a ton of rules with these guys too. Um, mm-hmm. They still got a four of save. They still only move. They only have two wounds. They are the they are the easiest to die models in the uh, in the army. Yeah, um, but at two wounds though, that is not too shabby. No, no. I mean, these guys are comparable to Stormcast, like aren't they? Like a liberator? They? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So what do these guys do for us? Well, these are your numbers. And they have a weird unit. They can take any number of various combinations of weapons. So they can take either a big choppa, which is the two-handed weapon, a pair of choppas and smashes, which is two hand weapons, or a smasher and a shield. So it's various combinations. It boils down to four by three, usually with two attacks. Three if they've got two weapons. And if it's a choppa, it's ren one. But otherwise, it's four by three. Okay, so, oh, yeah, yeah, four by, so 
three attacks with no rend or two attacks with one rend. Or you could drop down to two attacks with no rend, but then you get a shield. Which, before Al- so it doesn't work for mortal wounds, so it's not like a six-up death save. Yeah, but it's any normal wounds that get allocated to them, you get to ignore it on a six. So it's not like the Arcanite shield, um, but it's comparable. But the big thing is you can put the wounds onto the models with the shields first to try to minimize the damage so, so you can keep the paired weapons or the choppas alive, the big choppas. Okay, and so they could be anywhere in the unit. But let's say I got okay, let's say I'm taking ten wounds and mm-hmm. I only got five dudes with shields. I have to roll yeah. I can only roll five dice at first, right? Because if they all fail then they're all dead. They'll have two wounds apiece. Oh, oh well yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, but what I'm saying is if I've got more wounds then I could allocate to the guy yeah, with you shields. have to roll until you kill all the shields. And then you allocate to the regular boys. All right, so it can get a little faffy. It can be, but it just depends on how you run the units. Because you could run them with all choppas smashes or all big choppas, depending uh, on how you build them. Yeah, I was kind of thinking I wasn't going to bother with shields anyway. You can with a couple of them. It just depends on how how invested you want to be into art boys. Yeah, I can see that. I just... Okay, and here's me. You know, if they're carrying shields, the brutes are going to look down on them. Wouldn't they? Maybe. Yeah, I think they would. Given mm-hmm. given up how killy you can be to, for a shield? I'd be embarrassed to be an art boy carrying a shield in front of these brutes. Okay, so maybe you don't do that. But That's just that's all I'm thinking, but... Uh, what else do they got? They got a lot of special rules. Um, this is one of this. The boss gets plus one to hit, not mm-hmm. which normally they get an extra attack. A lot of these guys. Yeah, but this guy is more accurate. So generally, you want to give him a big chopper because it gets the rend through. Right. So he hits on a three. Uh, so that's nice. And then they've got a couple. Uh, they have the rest of the command. So their drummer. Gives them plus two to charge rolls. That's good. Which is massive when you put it with the plus one to charge that they have inherently from the allegiance ability. So they're plus three to charge. So even on a two, they're charging five. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. And then you get two types of standard bearers. Now, once again, I'm asking the rules questions that somebody's thinking out there. Um, Can you take both banners? Yes. So you can take a banner that gives plus two to bravery as long as there's enemy within three inches because they're more brave when they're fighting. They're not thinking of running. Mm-hmm. And you can have the other, the icon of Gork, if a model flees. For, oh, okay. So if you if you fail your uh, battleshock. Your battleshock test, um, roll a die for all the models that flee, and on a six-up, those models do don't run or the on a six up you know that many models don't run so if you lose three from battle shock you roll three dice right i'm i'm saying it really poorly i'm distracted looking at this six each it negates one running away but their bravery eight when they get into combat so chances are you're not gonna be losing as many it's when you lose some from shooting is really where it comes in so they, they they ain't bad. 
No, they're good for line troops, and they're the most numerous troops you can get, because you get 10 in a unit at least. Um, and they're not bad. If you hit them with a war chanter to get them hitting on threes, that's not a bad damage output. And they're pretty they're pretty cheap, and if you can get their number of attacks up with those other rules that we were talking about. Yeah, like the waz and everything. Right. They can put out a lot of attacks, and they're on smaller bases, at a 32, which is still... <laughs> it's a big base, but it's not as big as a brute is. So you can put out a lot of attacks with them, too. It's just It depends on what you want to do. And it's hard to shift these units. One of my regular opponents out here who plays Iron Jaws, he runs usually about 60 Ard Boys. Ooh. Because that's what he had a lot of, uh, switching from Ace to AOS. So he's got about 60 Ard Boys, and trying to chew through 120 wounds at a 4-plus save is a lot. Yeah, that, yeah, that is, isn't it? Hmm. There's, a, there's more here than I realized. Yeah. All right, um, we've been going way too long, but we've got all the units done now. Let's take a break, and then we can talk battalions, and then we can wrap up. Yes. All right, right back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we're back. Yes, we are. Oh boy. So, um, well, it was like I said. It was not. There's not many units, and we got through them. I mean, how many? There's two, four, six. There's literally eight units in this book. Mm-hmm. Five. One special character. Two mega bosses: Chanter, Shaman, Brutes, Grunts, Ard Boys. So, of course. If you've got only eight units, then you've got to have six battalions. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and then well, you, you got five fists, and then you got a brawl. Five fists and a brawl, and then you've got two war scroll battalions in the uh, GHB. So that you have eight units in this army and eight battalions. Mm-hmm. Um, each of the, I mean, okay, I'm going to let you 
obviously take the lead on why these are good or bad because you're the one who knows how to play this game. Um, but as I'm running through this, what I what I like about this is that there's literally a fist for every play style. Whatever it is you like to play with, there's something here for you. Mm-hmm. Some sort of bonus. So um, you want? why don't we do this? Why don't I just run through the rule quick and then you could tell us why the battalion's great or not so great. Sure. All right. Brute fist. Three to five units of brutes. This is a oh, this is the other thing. They didn't change. Now this has not been changed in the FAQs or anything. They have these. No. All right. So here, there is one that got an adjustment, but we'll get to it. Okay, but in this, it's three to five units of brutes, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, where's the hero? You just pick one of the bosses from one of the units. So whoever your you know the your champion is from one of the units, he's the big boss. He just gets five wounds now instead of three. And it's mm-hmm. consistent like this for most of these battalions. It's there's it's not a character and a bunch of units. It's just a bunch of units. And it kind of makes sense because you've got your war boss who is leading a bunch of fists. A bunch of fists. And so somebody in the fist is going to step forward. He's not going to send one of his generals to run a fist. The fist is going to run itself. So it makes mm-hmm. sense story-wise, but it is t- I, I have it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? Am I am I wrong? It's weird because most of the battalions we've seen since this book has come out, we've kind of been conditioned to expect it's a hero in a series of units. But even like with like the daughters or the night haunt, it's not always the case. It's True. just a collection of things. So it just really depends. But but with I guess the it's structure just... of Iron Jaws, how the units are kind of like self sufficient. And like one look or scuff on the head or something tells the battle plan that it kind of makes sense that they're more independent, as it were. Right. But you're still picking one boss and elevating him and changing his stats. That's just that's very unique. So um, so you pick three to five units of brutes. You make one of the brutes the leader, change his uh, wounds from three to five. And then in your hero phase, units from this battalion within 10 inches of the Brute's big boss, including his own unit, can make a charge move like it was the charge phase. If it's successful, pick an enemy unit within 3 inches of the unit that charged, uh, and it takes D3 mortal wounds. So that's, I mean, the the whole battalion can basically charge in the hero phase. Am I correct? Potentially. Units uh, within ten inches distance, of the boss. Yeah. yeah, within. I mean, within the distance. If you have three units, there is no reason why you can't have all three units be within ten inches. It depends on how big your units are. Yeah. Okay. And then they charge, and if if they successfully charge, one of the units that got charged is taking D three mortals. Hmm. What do you think of this one? Eh. Eh. All right. I mean. You get the plus one to the charge roll for being Iron Jaws, or plus two if you're a uh, Blood Tooth. But this isn't the fist that the Blood Tooth wants anyway, because they want an Iron Fist. So I don't know if I would take this one. I mean, it's good because you're going to be taking a lot of brutes, but I don't know. It just doesn't add up a lot for me. If you, but if you, now if you are just taking all brutes and characters, there's no reason not to take it. Am I correct? Unless you take an Ard fist or a uh, Iron fist, which is when we get to it, you'll understand why. 
Oh, okay. All right. Um, Gorefist, three to five units of Gore Gruntas, and same thing. Pick one of the guys. He gets two extra wounds. And then this one, I, I, this is where they come up with cunning formations, like the Tusca Gork or the snouting, uh, Snorting Snout Spear. Um, and, oh, did we even mention that earlier, that these guys are always coming up with names, and it, but then some some other guys, like, you know, basically you all do the same thing and then they get thumped for pointing out that running forward and hitting everything as hard as you can is no different than running forward and hitting everything as hard as you can. <laughs> but they do it first. Uh, yep. Uh, so, and I love this. Tell your opponent that this battalion is in such a formation when you set it up if all of the units are within 10 inches of the big boss's unit and come up mm-hmm. with a name for it because you got to be fancy. Uh, all the units in the battalion can make a 15-inch move in the hero phase of their first turn. Uh, it, it it does not stop them from moving normally later in the turn, and then that's it. That's it. Just that's the whole bonus: a 15-inch move uh, during your first hero phase before any other movement. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yes. I thought this one. I thought you would say yes to this all one. day. Uh, it's got a couple advantages on the brute fist, which is you have to be within ten inches of the boss's unit, not the boss himself. Right. So, and it's during your first hero phase. So, if you go like, say, there are some battalions or units that get like a pre-game move. So, if you don't get to go first, your unit is out there whistling. As the other guy comes right. in and punches its face in. This is your hero phase. It moves 15 inches. And when you think about it, 15 inches is more than half the distance between you and your opponent. And depending on the scenario or the battle plan, if you're only 18 inches apart, you're now three inches away turn one. Right. And, I mean, you still get your normal movement before you charge because you still get your movement your movement phase. And they move So you nine. get a free 24-inch move, essentially. If you set it up properly. That is pretty decent. Yeah, and then you charge all turn one. And if you take Gordrak with this, you can move 15 inches, move just another inch, and then you're at that 8-inch sweet spot, roll three dice plus one for Gordrak's command ability. All slam in. Now that's only then, for one unit, though, right? But if it's Gorjak's command ability, it hits the battalion. Really? Yeah. Did I miss that? Where's that? It's in his command ability. I did miss that. Hold on. Let me look at that just because I want to see it. It's the. It sounds weird, and you don't always put it together until you talk about what exactly these battalions do. Why Gordrak is mega with this battalion in particular? Oh, there. Yeah, if it's part of a battalion, the benefits. All oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I mean, it was there. It was the last sentence. I'm certain we mentioned it, but we did. You don't think about that. Oh, so suddenly all these units are rushing up, and then getting a supercharge and getting two extra attacks. Oh, that's – if you want to run all Gruntas, then I suppose this is what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Scooter Walters, uh, he runs this 
Is this what he had at Akon? Yeah. And of what he's been playing, he played it at Nova too and did very well with it. Because it's on you so quickly. And then with the Rampaging Destroyers move, or whatever it's called from the handbook, you use that on Gordrak to get him to move in the hero phase. You have the rest of your army move 15 inches in the hero phase. Then they move normally, and then they all charge you turn one. Like it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Gruntas are cheap at 140 for three. So you can take several units of six of these things with no problems, plus the battalion. So that gives you a free command point for a real failed charge if you botch it somehow. And then you have one automatically built in for Gordrak to use because you get one in your hero phase. So you said they're 140, right? For three. So you could take five units of six. Would be four. Oh no, you couldn't do that much because that would be fourteen hundred, and then Gordrak would make it nineteen eighty. And, and then you got to pay for the battalion, which is which fist is this? Gore. This is the Gore fist. One ninety. So you couldn't take all units. Of, well, you could take four units of six. And that would free up more than enough points, but then you don't get anything else extra. You just got Gordrak and 24 pigs. Yeah, so this is the smallest of the smallest. Of course, Gordrak and 24 pigs is probably not bad. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Well, all right. All right, so uh, let's move on. Ardfist is a war chancer, war chanter, and three to five units of Ard boys. Um, if the war chanter is still alive in the hero phase, replace any units from the battalion that have been wi- what? Yeah. Okay. Now this one was the adjustment. Okay. Uh, so this one, once per battle, if this battalion's war chanter is on the battlefield, you can replace any units from this battalion that have been destroyed because they're drawn to the sound of Dawa to energy, to fighting, and everything like that. Um, And the replacement unit is identical to the unit that was destroyed, and all models must be set up within six inches of an edge of a battlefield and more than six inches away from any enemy units. And within these restrictions, they have to be as close to the battalion's war chanter as possible, and that counts as their move. Pre-GHB 2018... You never took this one because it cost reinforcement points to resummon a unit. But now it doesn't. But it's only good. No. But yeah, I mean, it's only good they, had, they had to change that. I mean, yeah. you can't just keep in the hero phase, keep putting it. I mean, everyone would take this. I would take five units maxed out if at that point, if I could, if I had the points for it. Because every yeah, time you wipe it out. Be, you wouldn't be getting the most use out of it because if you're taking multiple blobs of 30 art boys you're never going to kill all of them oh that's true they wouldn't kill all of them but this the point is dangerous is if some, in tens yeah if, yeah but even if something came in and managed to wipe it out suddenly uh, you know i worked all this time to wipe it out and on the next turn it's back off the edge and coming in again yeah and it just says of the edge of the battlefield so it doesn't specify it's your long edge or a short edge it's just the closest the edge, edge to the him, closest to the as, as close as you can get it, because you you might have to keep moving it farther and farther away to fulfill the rule of six inches away from the enemy. But Yeah, and then it's only six inches. It counts as your move, but you can still charge. 
And with Ard Boys, as we've talked about already. They get plus three inches. Yeah, so all you need to do is not fluff it, and you're in. <laughs> so is this, I mean, is this good? I mean, it sounds it's okay. good. It's okay. If you're gonna uh, take if you're gonna take Ard Boys, if you're not going with the more elite troops. Yeah. I don't know if you most people would take three units of Ard Boys. It really just depends on your particular play style. Um, but that's it. You Didn't you take. say you had a friend who takes just tons of Ard Boys? Yeah, but he doesn't run battalions and I don't know why. Well, you know. No accounting for taste. Okay, Weird Fist. One Weird Knob, three to five units of Brutes, Gruntas, or Ard Boys. So basically three to five units of anything and a Shaman. Um, <laughs> in addition to his normal bonuses, roll a die for each unit from the battalion within 10 inches of the Weird Knob when an Arcane Bolt, Green Puke, or Foot of Gork spell is successfully cast. Add six inches to the range for each die on a one, two, or a three. Add a mortal wound for each four, five, or six. If it inflicts mortal wounds more than once, add the bonus each time. Oh, so wait a minute. So if there's four units and I roll four four ups... Then the spell does four mortal wounds. In addition to normal damage, yeah. In addition to normal damage. You apply the bonus every time. So if you kept getting the foot off, it'd be D6 plus four each time it's stepped. Oh, wow. And if you get the spell off, it adds six inch to the range for the low dice. Now, so, but do you have to declare who you're aiming your spell at before? You don't. No. That's a holdover from the old rules because I've been playing the game recently, and I know someone's like, "Well, who are you casting it on?" You know, and it's like, "Well," uh, and then you tell them because you know, but you don't have to pick until it's cast, and then you decide who you want to mm-hmm. hit. It's in range. So sure. suddenly, a couple of low dice, and you could hit someone. I mean, I could snipe a character conceivably, couldn't I? You could. I play the foot, and suddenly I roll. You know. Two or two, two or three, ones and twos, and my normal range gets increased by a foot and a half. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, is this is this one that people like, or do you? Uh, no, people, no. It's dice dependent. Ah, uh, okay. And to get the most use out of it, you have to do foot of gork, and then you have to roll four pluses to keep it stomping. Um. There's not always going to be that guarantee that you're going to get. There's a string of dice rolls you have to make. I see what you're saying. Correct. There's a lot of random number generation to this that makes it. And when it goes off, it's going to be great. So this is a bet heavy, win heavy. And that's um, the best kind of bet. Yeah, but there's no. If you want to ask my do dad. this, there's no reason why you couldn't. Because it takes a, more, a variety of units that you would be taking anyway. In the context, you need at least three battle line units, of which all of those are, and then a shaman, which you're probably going to take anyway. So it's one of those things where you can grab the battalion, maybe get the bonus, and you're also going to get the extra item, the extra and the command point, the extra command point. So it's it's worth it in that respect. 
Yeah. And, uh, well, it's 180 points. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's a lot of points. It's a lot of points to invest in random. But right. it's fun as all get out. So, so far, of the four we've covered, only the Gorefist really stands out. Until we get to the next one. Okay, so now here we go. The Iron Fist. Uh, three to five units. Oh, three to five units of your battle line units. Yeah. All right. So, the, oh, you you pick one. Now you pick a brute or gorgrunt a boss to be the big boss. Add two to their wounds characteristic. So, what if you took all Ard boys? Then you don't get this. Then you just don't get the bonus. Yeah, because you can't give it to a brute boss or a Gorgrunta boss. You can only give it to... Okay, so if you if you did take all Ard Boys in an Iron Fist, you just lose this particular bonus. You'd lose both of them. Oh. Oh, oh I, I didn't read the second one yet. Okay, so hold on. Um, oh, as long as... Oh, because then you don't have a big boss. So you, you... All right, so even though it says any, you literally... You got to have at least one of them be a brute or a Gorgrunta. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the guys gets plus two to their wounds, just like we did before. And then, as long as the big boss isn't slain, in your hero phase, each unit can move D6. Yeah. Make the same... Oh, in every hero phase. Mm-hmm. Every unit is moving D6. Okay. On top of... On top of the plus three to, char- oh no, plus one to charge. Yeah, so this is the old destruction move, but it's baked in to the battalion. So everything moves D6 inches, and then you roll for the mighty destroyers off of the allegiance ability to try to move units again, and then they move in the hero phase, and then they charge in the charge phase. Everything in this army is movement four, unless it's on a pig or a maw crusher. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're taking an exceptionally slow army and suddenly speeding it up. So I'm moving D6 in the hero phase, plus I'm doing the roll to move an additional amount. Yep. And then your basic move. And then my four-inch move, and then my church. Oh. So this, this isn't flashy, and it's... Not necessarily great because you never know what you're going to roll with a D6, but your army's slow, and this is just more movement to an army that's that needs it desperately. It's free movement. You're going to take all of the units in this battalion anyway, and then you get the command point, you get the artifact, you get the drop control, and the two big battalions in the GHB, the Blood Tooths and the Iron Sons. They both want an iron fist. Oh, it's, it's this one's one eighty also, but it's all that extra movement and extra command points and stuff. Yeah, and this happens every hero phase. You get this move, so you are always going and moving around. That is good. Yeah. Um. Do we want to talk about the the brawl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got the brawl. Uh, so you got a mega boss 
uh, or a mega boss on a crusher. You got a chanter. You got a shaman. And then you got to take, oh, five battalions because you got to take five fists to make a brawl. So this, yeah, so this is not happening at 2,000 points. This is when you're playing big narrative games or big match play games. And what does this do for us now? You have to have the mega boss in the brawl within 10 inches of a chanter and a shaman. So basically all three, all three of the heroes have to be within 10 inches of each other. There's actually five heroes in this thing because the Ard Fist requires a war chanter. The Weird Fist requires a oh, okay, right. shaman. And that's if you take one of each. But you could theoretically do five Gore Fists if you wanted to. Oh, um, okay. You're never going to do it in match play, <laughs> realistically. Um, no. But this one... You can call a big wah if you have your mega boss within range of a chanter and a shaman. And all units within 15 inches of the mega boss at the start of the following combat phase make two extra attacks with each of their melee weapons. And any units that don't receive this bonus, but, ch- but any units that don't receive this bonus, which are within 10 inches of a big boss from the brawl, make one extra attack. With each of their melee weapons instead. So this is a command ability. So it does cost a point. But you already have six. So I don't know if you need more. Um, yeah. So, You're never going to see it. No. and it, So within 15 of a big boss. It's within 15 inches of the mega boss. You okay. get plus two attacks. Oh, and then I'm like, I'm thinking, what units wouldn't receive this bonus? But it, that's that's if you're more than 15 inches away from the mega boss, but you're near a big boss, you get the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eh. I mean, I didn't even do the, take the time to add all this up, but this is literally going to cost you, I'm guessing, close to 4,000 points. It's pretty expensive, even at the cheap end. Yeah. Um, oh, then it's got to be way also, more than five battalions. So what am I saying? It's six. Because you have to pay for the five base fists and then the cost of the brawl. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's too much. At, 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 at the cheapest, that's like almost 900 points in battalions. Just for the cost of battalions? Yes. Never mind the units? Right. No, that, yeah. So we ain't going to do that. All right. So um, we don't. We didn't cover the Iron Sons and the Blood Tooths battalions, did we? I can't even remember. We did. Oh, we did. I, it's hard to remember when the magic of editing comes in. Yes. All right, Alex. So, what's the standout here? What do we? Where, where does? Where does? Where do? You, when you look at this, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm build off a battalion, either the either the Iron Fist or the Gore Fist, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to be looking to try to maximize the amount of attacks. That I have, because there's a lot of them, so making them better. So I'd be looking at a boss on foot to keep the brutes going well. If I'm going to be playing an Ard Fist, mm-hmm. or an Iron Fist, if I'm going to play a Gore Fist, it's just going to be a bunch of pigs and Gore Jack. Um, but again, this is all based on your particular play style and what you like about this army. There's a fist for you. So if you're going with a bunch of pigs, you're taking Gore Jack. If you're not going with pigs, if you're going on foot, do you need a Gore Jack? I don't know if you need a Gorjack. He's expensive, um, and you can make a custom Mega Boss 
on Maw Crusher that is uh, he's fairly good because you get all the different artifacts, the different command traits, this, that, and the other thing. So. See, that's what I was thinking. That Gordrak's good, but not necessary. Which is, I, I like that. Like he's fun to take. He's worth taking at times, but he's not a must take, and he's also not a must leave behind. Yeah, he is a good option if you want to play with him. Hmm. Um, now, this book is very small. It's very elite. Uh-huh. It doesn't have a very high model count. So with the addition of allies, you get to kind of patch the holes in the armor, as it were. Um, these guys don't have a shooting phase to speak of, with the exception of the Maw Crushes for their inner bursting bellows. True. So allying in Gitmob Spear Chuckas to add some ranged capacity or Rock Labas or Doom Divas to do stuff like that, you can add shooting to the army. If you want cheap numbers, you could add Grots or you could add Auric Boys. Now these things, a lot of people overlook them because they're not very good. They're one wound, no real save, 80 points for 10 though. So they are half the cost of Ard Boys not nearly as survivable, but half the cost. And they have the auric keyword, which is the big catch here. If you take a weird knob shaman, you get to add that many more models to his count to try to get his cost, his cast value up. Because if he's got 20 or more within 10, he gets plus two. So even just getting one big unit for like 160 points, you just, you got 20 around him. They're, mm-hmm. they're like a battery. Yeah. Or if it's two units of ten, because it just wants models that can then run off and score objectives or something like that while the rest of the boys do the kicking. It's possible. They're cheap. They can just run over to objectives. If you lose them, you're not going to care because you're not killing a boy or a brute unit. So those are good. And then the other two things that I see most commonly in Iron Jaws armies... um, and this one is really weird because it's adds to the general is the fungoid cave shaman. Okay. From Malign Portens. Uh, he can be the general in the army regardless because of the Malign Portens rules with the Harbingers. His command ability is to give a unit of Oryx or Grotz uh, run and charge or retreat and charge. So if you have a unit of Gorgruntas running and charging or a unit of brutes running and charging for a command point. It's pretty big to make up for their distance. Uh, I see you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Yeah. And then the other one, and this is going to come out of left field, is a regular Auric war boss. Okay. Like, straight from Greenskins, and you give him the Great Wah banner. And that one in particular, so what it does is you get to re-roll all wound rolls of one for keyword auric units from your army that are within 16 inches of the banner when they attack. All of the Iron Jaws have the auric keyword. Mm-hmm. And you put him on a boar and he can keep up with the rest of the army. He doesn't have to plant his totem to get the bill to get the ability. 
It's oh. just always on. Oh. So you have this 16-inch bubble on a pig that lets your guys re-roll wound rolls of one for auric units, which is everything in your army. It's nice. Yeah. So there, is, there are little things. Okay. Yeah. And if you did like an, a mega boss behind a unit of brutes with this guy next to the mega boss. Sure, sure. Nope. Yep. You get to re-roll hit rolls of one for brutes within five of the mega boss, and then re-roll their wound rolls of one while they're within 16 inches of the banner. And that's assuming you don't hit them with a war chanter to make them hit on twos, re-rolling ones to hit and re-rolling ones to wound. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of that in this army. Yeah, you can stack the attacks and the re-rolls um, all day, depending on how you build it. It's interesting how all the rules just make them get in your face quicker and punch you harder. Which is kind of their job. Yeah. I mean, it, this... Yeah, this army's not perfect, but it totally plays to its lore. <laughs> it's just yes. get in there and get into a scrap. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, th- that's it. That's the book. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is another one that the more I read about it, I'm like, this is just these. Th- this makes orcs seem fun again. Yes. I mean, I liked Orc. Chris, you played them all the time, the old uh, Orcs and Goblins, and they were just, you know, like, I didn't play them. I didn't want to paint a billion Orcs and a billion Goblins, you know. But, Chris, you had them, and it was fun to play against them because it was always so crazy. And you could see how much fun he was having playing them. And uh, I I didn't get that feeling from the, uh, what is it, the Bone Splitters? The bone splitters are different because you still have to paint a ton of them. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of attacks going on. Um, yeah. Just a lot to keep track of with bone splitters. Right. Whereas these guys, it's a little more straightforward, which is basically their fist hitting your face. This is just kind of my favorite thing about orcs just distilled down to its purest form. and It's... Like I said, the thing that drew me to the to the uh, brass stampede draws me to this army in general. Mm-hmm. It's not as fast if you're not taking gore grunts as if you're taking them on foot, but you can get a couple of good jump ups, and then next thing you know, it's just they're they're going at it. it this is this is the essence of the auric, and I like I like that. I like that part of it. So. That's it, folks. Um, I guess we should wrap up, huh? Yeah, probably should. All right, folks. Uh, don't forget to check out um, the Free Buddhas Network, where After Eleanor and lots of other good shows are on. Um, if you like them, leave them a nice iTunes review. Hey, if you like us, leave us a nice iTunes review, because we're still trying to build back up the, uh, build up the reviews, because... Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm on. We need some more reviews. That just is. All right. Uh, also, check out the Patreon page again. Please take a look if you are willing to throw in, you know, a buck a month, a buck an episode, whatever. Every little bit helps. It's a huge help to the show. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like much. 
per person, but if suddenly lots of listeners are doing it, it suddenly changes the whole dynamic of the things we can do and what we're doing here. So we really do appreciate it. And once again, our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, our executive producer, Nick Neff-Pleotis. Um, thank you guys for being part of the 1% and making everything we do here possible. All right, uh, let's do this. Folks, until next time, only the faith will be triumphant. Only the faithful stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except when they walk. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's okay. Well, that's pretty terrible, but I appreciate you being nice. It is Christmas time. All right, folks, see you in two weeks. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garagehammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.